You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this program. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me. T.P. Hammock will be running the board and taking your phone calls on a wet Wednesday. Finally, some rain in the area. First time in a couple weeks. So, uh, as we talked real briefly with Tom yesterday, much needed across the area. So, glad to have that. And glad to be dry, though, in our Tiger Communications studios. And the full three hours for you on this Wednesday. We'll talk some football, as we always do. We'll also tell you about the decommitment that Auburn had yesterday in their 2024 class. We'll talk a little bit about uh, NFL with Joe Bartle of RotoWire. Talk some fantasy football with him. That's coming up at 5.15, as always, throughout the football season on Wednesdays. And, of course, we'll be talking some more baseball, too, as during the majority of our show today, our, our minds will try not to be too fixated on our TV screen as the Atlanta Braves and Philadelphia Phillies get going with Game 3 of the NLDS. I promise from, nothing. Uh, from Citizens Bank Ballpark, a 4.07 first pitch for the Braves and the Phillies there. And so that one will be going on throughout the show as well. We'll be having some comments as uh, as needed as needed for that game. So a fun three hours for you here, middle of the week, hump day, getting closer to Auburn LSU this weekend. Of course, we'll have more thoughts as we look towards that one as well. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Cam with you here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Cam, Barry, how are you this afternoon? Tired as usual on a Wednesday, but pushing through and uh, excited to watch the Braves play Um play this this afternoon and uh i mean my first show on since what the game that game happened on sunday and man that was a a phenomenal game to watch um stay up probably a little later than i should have uh to watch it but man it was it was a good one uh braves were able to come back and get the win uh which is great and and i mean what a uh, what a fashion to do it as well um Hopefully they can build on the momentum that they got towards the end of that game um, and take one in Philly. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's going to be tough for sure. They're going to want to defend their home field just like the Braves will want to defend uh, their own home field. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm doing great. Uh, ready to talk a lot of sports with you guys and uh, get this week going. And then Tom Peavy also on the show. Hey, Tom, hey. how are you this afternoon? I'm good. Uh haven't really done a whole lot today. I, I did all my stuff yesterday, so nice. I, I adulted yesterday. Today was rest and relaxation. And so uh, and, should and, uh, I put you through the ringer today, Tom? What's uh, 
What's the passing numbers for the LSU offense down to the exact yard? Go. A lot? <laughs> a, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, I, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah, we'll see what the Braves do. Uh, Bryce Elder getting the start. I think there's a lot of people freaking out about that right now because he was not very good. Yeah, he, had a rough, he had a rough outing. Right? Second, a rough second, second half. Second half. Now, he, he half. was, you know, it's a guy that was like borderline all-star uh, first half of the season. And then after the all-star break, he, he has kind of stunk the building up and been giving up buku runs to – to the Phillies, uh, cut to the Cubs, to the Phillies, and to the Marlins, I believe it was, in uh, in some of his last starts. So, uh, yeah, um, I hope he does a little better this time around because that's uh, that's a little scary. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see the Braves, man, and I I keep going back and watching the highlights of that and just how insane that place got. And man, you just hope that you hope that's not the last one at Truist for the year. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully you take care of business in two in Philly, and move on to the next. But uh, man, that, what a great atmosphere in Atlanta for that game! And uh, I'm just ready for some more Braves. I just hope they don't disappoint us. Yeah, going to be a very intense atmosphere too in Philly. It is. Uh, it's uh, certainly. I know there's been a lot of banter between which one's better and, and that sort of thing. It, the, the reality is they're all difficult, and uh, Phillies is, is certainly very difficult, too. This, and, yeah, this, this is no uh, Tropicana field where uh, the Rays right. barely don't, get don't folks in there, even, yeah. even for a playoff game. This It's going to be absolutely packed. It's going to be wild. Philadelphia f- sports fans in general are some of the wildest, uh, whether it be football, baseball, hockey. Basketball. You know, basketball. I mean, that they are a sports-crazed city. And those folks are going to be absolutely nuts in that stadium. So Braves are going to have to with uh, kind of weather the storm of, of the fans and try to get a win. But they've gotten wins there before. It's not like it's not like they don't know how to win in Philadelphia. They've done it plenty of times. They just got to put it together this time around. Yeah, absolutely. And we will be getting again into a good bit of baseball a little bit later in the show, especially once the uh, the Braves game does get underway in the four o'clock hour. So we will start you. Today with the Auburn football news, this happened in the 5 o'clock hour yesterday, uh, but uh, we're getting to it for the first time today. Auburn did have a decommitment from the class of 2024 yesterday evening. Jalewis Solomon, a four-star athlete slash defensive back uh, out of the state of Georgia, decommitted from the Tigers yesterday. His ranking profile, 272 in the nation on the on three industry uh, aggregate he is a four star by two services a three star by two services as high as the number 91 player in the country according to rivals and a, an unranked three star according to on three and two four seven uh so a, a four star guy decommitting from auburn um feeling is south carolina is involved there florida state's involved auburn probably uh will not be retaining his services so Auburn, after swaying some commitments this summer from other schools, they lose out on somebody that they had committed since, I believe, the first week of August. And uh, Jalouis Solomon, uh, class still ranked in the top 20, top 15, depending on uh, where you look. And uh, Auburn ultimately here loses a one of the guys that kind of st- kind of solidly in the middle of uh, their class in terms of where they would have ranked right. out. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a frustrating loss, but um, you know, he uh, he came out and said he, he said uh, um, on three. He said it came down to me making a, a decision pretty early. He said I rushed it and I just wasn't ready when I committed. I've been thinking about this for a while, and I just have to take some time and do what is best for myself. Auburn did nothing wrong, but I just had a change of heart. So. That's really all it comes down to is just, you know. He's a kid. Yeah, he's a kid. He felt like he rushed the decision. And, nope. you know, maybe that's the mature thing to do is to take take a step back, reevaluate, figure out maybe, hey, where is the best situation for me, and then move forward. If it's not here at Auburn, uh, that is unfortunate. But God wish him good luck and wherever he does end up. Yeah, and, I mean, these things happen. Uh, you make an early. Happen all the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, you make, you make an early commitment, and, and you take a visit, and all of a sudden you see a place, and you meet some coaches and meet some other people. And you're like, oh, wow, this place yep. is pretty damn cool um that's what concerns me with the uh the uh carter the is it deandre carter the offensive line yeah deandre carter uh i'm very concerned about that after he you know commits that's a huge commit and a huge position of need and then he makes a visit to texas and right we all know what's happening at texas right now and the money and everything it takes, it's like, oh, no. You know, right. brr, what's happening there? Was Texas in his final three? I feel like I, they were. I, I don't think it was. You don't think so? I, I It was like Auburn, Michigan, and somebody else, but I don't think. USC, really, maybe? Maybe. maybe. he's from California. Um, I, but I don't remember three. Texas being in the mix, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's making a visit to Texas. And, ooh, you're like, oh. Yeah, Jeez, that's a, you know, that's a nerve-wracking one. That, for sure. that was that's one that you truly can't afford. To yeah, lose. exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, Jalua uh, Solomon. I I think he is a guy that they you hate to lose him, but I don't think cornerback room so deep. It is very deep. So deep. and they might be able to get somebody better. Right. Uh, I mean, that's just a simple fact of it. Yeah, he's you know four star, three star, not ranked. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's a good player, but you know you might be able to find somebody even better. Uh, and that's the other thing is we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He, you know, he says Auburn didn't do anything wrong, this, that, and the other. There's always that chance that, you know, they start looking. They uh, Auburn gets a good feel for another guy of the same position, and they may have talked to him and said, hey, listen. You know, Maybe it's best if you back off. You, you know, we might need to, you know, back off this commitment right now. We've got some other guys. That's the other thing that happens in this whole deal is that, yeah. you know, other guys come along and show interest, and you're like, you know, we don't have enough spots for all these guys right now. We've got this Jalua Solomon that's like a 3-4 guy, but we've got a guy that's like a 4-5 that seems like he might come here. You know, maybe we need to kind of ease Jalewis on out the door a little bit. I don't know that that's it the It happened case. with Auburn basketball and bit him in the butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah it did. Um, not saying that that's what happened. It may legit just be the Jalua Solomon – Maybe made a visit or may have just woke up one day and he's like, you know what? I don't like the fact that I've put locked myself in. in, have locked in. I don't feel comfortable with this. Something in my something in my guts telling me that I don't need to be locked in on this right now and kind of need to experience some other things and places and see what else is out there. So, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it, it stinks anytime you lose a guy off of a commit list like that. But, I mean, it happens. You move on. You try to find somebody even better. Uh, again, Solomon, assuming he would have been a DB, would have been the second highest rated DB 
that Auburn has currently committed in their class. Uh, Jalen Crawford is currently the highest-rated corner, uh, number 191 national, nationally out of Parkview High School in Lilburn, Georgia. Uh, but, again, Solomon would have been the second-rated. Auburn does have a couple other guys that still industry rank out to four stars. They still have the same stuff going on where some sites rate them a three, some sites as a four. But they still have Amon Lane out of Alabaster, uh, the number 322 overall player in the class. And then Jaden Lewis out of Aniston who is a also a four-star and the number 336 player in the country. So definitely already had uh, or still have some other guys. They also got uh, a safety in Kinsley Faust and a three-star out of Naples, Florida. So uh, still have some other guys uh, in that DB situation for 2024. So that's uh, the depth is not a problem there, yeah. uh, despite uh, losing out on somebody that did rank out as a four-star guy. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. And with that, we'll go to our orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. And first up on the program this afternoon. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, uh, y'all. Good afternoon to you guys. How's it going? It's going good. It's uh, raining here, too, and I hear you guys are kind of wet up there, too. Yeah, it's starting to move in on us a little bit. All right. Let's get to it, guys. We'll start off with a uh, a quote, and I'll tell you the reason why. Uh, The quote is this. I've been through, what, four coaching changes, four different D.C.s, COVID, you name it. I just take it out. Me, Nehemiah, Zion, just take it out because we just love Auburn. So much, man. There's really no reason to leave, even though all this crazy is going on. I feel like that was just in us. We are just Auburn men, and we stuck it out. Um, do you know who said that, though? Uh, I'm not sure. Jalen Simpson. Okay. Now, the reason I bring this up, because this is something I've been you know, harping on and probably being a dead horse, but um, this, these are the kind of players that I've always uh, wanted to see play uh, for Auburn because they love Auburn. And I say that because uh, to me, NIL has much, very much, you know, uh, damaged those those kind of individuals uh, playing not just for Auburn, for Vena University, uh, because many of them now are just sort of like hard hands. You know, it's just a business. And that is what seems to me uh, from college versus NFL. You know, NFL is a business. I've never heard uh, Aubrey says he loves New England. 
or Joe Montana says he loves San Francisco 49ers, he doesn't never want to leave them. No, because it is a career, it's a business. But that's what distinguishes college football, and I, I think NIL has damaged that. Uh, that's why I brought, brought that up, because these guys could have left, and they said no. It felt, they said, I feel like that was just in us. We are just Auburn men, and we love Auburn so much. Okay, comments, guys, before I go on? Uh, I mean, yeah, like, you know, I, I wouldn't use uh, all professional – some professional players certainly love where they play too, and uh, I, I wouldn't use Brady as an example. He he does love New England. But, uh, you know, I, I think that um, obviously – I mean, NIL is going to stay. Uh, what uh, – how, how that might be governed or the stipulations to it might change and will change at some point. It won't be a complete free-for-all, but um, – Again, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I have any different view than I have had uh, in, in previous months. I think there there should be certain limits at some point where you're not just making uh, ungodly amounts. But, you know, I, I think that it's, you know, it, it's here to stay. Well, I'm saying that. I'm just saying, uh, I, I just think it's a, NIL has the damage as the way uh, the traditional college football to me has been. And, traditional college football players have been. Because, you know, uh, I've read the stats, as you, I know you guys know, I think only 2 to 3% of college football players ever make it to the NFL. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, no, it's it's an incredibly low percentage like that, yes. Yeah. So the other people who come to play need to really love that university uh, and have fun at it. Um, that's, that's what I was getting at. And that's why, that's why the, 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 uh, the, the passion is there, you know, because – those players, we believe as fans, they love Auburn as much as we do. Or they love Alabama as much as we, uh, those fans do. Uh, that's what I was getting at. Okay. Speaking of the LSU game, guys, coming up, uh, here's some unfortunate uh, metrics that uh, I don't know what, if any, uh, can be done to improve them. He says here from Stat Tiger that Auburn enters the LSU game with only 29 impact plays in offense. And those are plays that are 15 yards or more. Who do you think are the five players that have accounted for nearly 59% of Auburn's impact plays this season? Uh, you said it was the metric was 15 yards or more? Correct. Well, uh, not, not a ton in the passing game. Uh, maybe fair if, if they're looking at one receiver. Otherwise, you'd be looking at uh, running fair backs. one of them. Fair is one okay. of them, and then uh, I don't, I don't know which running, but Batte, I know that'd be no. off the wall. Uh, Jark, I mean one of the running backs, Jarquez. Jarquez Hunter's the other okay. one. So we have uh, three other people that account for fifty nine percent of Auburn's impact plays. So see, really, it's evenly distributed then. Uh, so Fairweather. Fairweather's very good. We have two other people that account for this fifty nine percent of impact plays. Alston? No. Thorne running? Guy, yeah, Thorne. You know, he's, he's a guy we haven't seen very, very much. Uh, I mentioned him, Shane Hooks. Shane Hooks, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And the other is Mr. Peyton Thorne, surprisingly. Yeah. In fact, he leads a team, it says here, of course, that Tiger with five impact plays. Didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes rushes. sense. Yeah, and rushing, a couple and of those ball, are against Sanford, he's got, yeah. He's got some long runs. And, yeah, the couple okay. plays against Sanford. Well, here's how bad – our offense is this season, and I thought it was, you know, wasn't that great, but Auburn this year is 28th, ranks 28th among the last 32 Auburn offenses 
and that's from 1992 to the present. In rushing? In impact plays of every 11.4 snaps. And uh, we averaged 5.8 impact plays per game, which ranks is even worse, 29th among the last 32 Auburn offenses. Yeah, I mean, I, I, all the numbers are going to point the same thing, that this offense has not been good. That's not a surprise. And when you do that, Auburn has only won 39% of their games when you only have five or less impact plays a game. Yeah. He says you have to have eight. Yeah, no, certainly, um, yeah, all that makes sense. So uh, here's at least some, some silver lining in all this. Guess what else you is currently ranked when allowing explosive plays? They're probably towards the very bottom. I mean, they're probably the one tens or one twenties. Thank God for for that for this ranking. They're currently one hundred twenty seventh nationally yeah. in allowing explosive plays. Yeah, no, it's it's a bad offense meets a bad de- a, a, even worse defense. Yeah, can we can we somehow take advantage of that? Saturday is going to be the question, right, guys? Yeah, no, and I think that they will make plays, but my concern is will they do it on a consistent basis? Will they have one drive where they have three chunk plays resulting in points, and the next drive they immediately have a penalty or uh, it gets sacked by Perkins or somebody? And, and you know, I, that that's also part of being on the road, too, is you get um, – more variables because of the environment and that sort of thing. And, and obviously they didn't do a good job in college station. And I would still rate LSU as a little better environment, especially at night. So, I mean, you know, there's yards to be made. Arkansas went in there and scored 30 points. So I think Auburn can do it, but with LSU's dynamic and awesome offense, you know, what, what does that defense do in terms of limiting, they're great possessions. Can they limit those to field goals or not? That, that's going to have a, a big part to play, too. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking, well, we need to maybe take advantage of their poor pass defense. But according to Stat Tigers, maybe that's not that's what needs to happen. He says here that Auburn has been averaging a running impact play every 14.6 attempts, which ranks as 16th among the last 32 Auburn offenses. So we who are actually – um, not that bad you know, when it comes to uh, impact plays that are, um, that, are, that are required by by running and rushing. Well, sure. I mean that that's the part of the offense that's not been bad is the it's the rushing. I mean they've had they've had plenty of good outputs. They still rank pretty favorably in the SEC. We talked about the over 200 yards against Georgia. That's not something that happens every every year even. And uh, you know th- there's signs that Auburn can run the ball, and I think they're becoming progressively more committed to that than they were even earlier in the year. I think they would have had a huge number against Cal if they stopped stopped fumbling it. Uh, So, you know, I think that their run game is legitimately good. The question is against SEC defenses and competition, that sort of thing, can you be one-dimensional and put up the points you need? And especially against LSU where passing you have some opportunities to make plays, uh, but, but knowing that LSU is not likely to be held down to a low score. So it's not enough just to simply churn out some yards and have a, a couple of good long drives. You you need to be doing it for the majority of the game. Right. Uh, then I was also actually listening to uh, videos of uh, some of our defensive players about what they feel they're going to contend with. and They're, they're actually excited about having to play and try to contain uh, Jaden uh, Daniels. So guys, I was reading 
from Elvis Johnson, so his comments too. Uh, do you think a zone defense is the best strategy to try to contain him and keep him in a pocket so he doesn't run around like mad and get him 30 yards? Yeah, I mean, I think that you'll have to have do a little bit of all of it. I mean, yeah. because I, I don't think that man is going to be very successful against Daniels just because that unless you have someone committed to Daniels, and we talked about this yesterday with the spies and who actually would be a good option, when you play man, you open yourself up to the longer scrambles and that sort of thing. Uh, you might be able to play man in certain situations coupled with a blitz, hoping to get Daniels down or make him get rid of the ball. But, you know, I think that, You'll have to play zone, and I and personally, I don't. You know, in a, in a vacuum, I prefer more man defense than zone defense. But you you've got to let situations dictate what you do there. And I think that because of Daniel's rush threat, unless you find the perfect spy or you find the ability to actually get him on the ground in the backfield, I don't think you're going to be able to play a lot of man because of what he would do with his legs. Yeah, and. Uh... Chandler Simpson made these comments, too. He said, they can't just be one or two guys going for him. He said, it has to be a group uh, uh, effort. They, they've got all around him, so he can't get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, every, everybody's got to maintain uh, the pass rush lanes. But how do they do that? I mean, has anybody done that to Jaden? I mean, have they done it consistently? And, you know, no, not consistently. No, I mean, Florida State did fine at times, but Dan- Daniels was still – Still make his plays. I mean, you know, it starts by not rushing around him. You got to keep him contained. Uh, but but he's so fast that again, those D tackles, middle middle linebackers, those sort of, they usually just can't keep up anywhere near him. And and so he breaks contain a lot. His vision's good in the pocket. He still makes plays with his arms. Plenty of, of plays with his arm. And so uh, no, he's he's the complete package as a quarterback. That's why he's one of the best in the country. Yeah, and you know, just to emphasize that uh, more. On that, uh, I didn't know he was this good, but he actually so far now has a seventy-three percent passing efficiency. Yeah, and he's only had thrown two interceptions. I didn't know he only had two interceptions. That's it. Yeah, I mean he che- he checks every box. I, I don't I don't know of an obvious weakness that he has. And do you happen to know? Because I didn't look this up. How many times he's been sacked or not? Uh, you know, that would be an interesting question, but I know that, again, rushing yards for the season, he's over 400, so he's on pace for an 800 to 900 rushing yard season. So I know that if he is taking a few sacks, he makes them up really quickly and he usually makes a, a positive play after that. Is it fair to compare him or not? I always think like Johnny Manziel. Is he like that, kind of really lucid and shifty? Uh, no, I think I think that you, you know statistically they might end up favoring one another but i think that when you actually watch him manzel was still more chaotic he would create more chaos yeah yeah Yeah. and and daniel still is more fluid and controlled in everything he does so while maybe they did scramble a lot maybe they do have similar passing numbers i just think manzel thrived in chaos and it was harder to predict and daniels is a much more fluid player so would you say that his are not really spontaneous these breakouts that they he really uh, they're intentional? Somewhat intentional, yeah. I think you could see them coming a little bit more clearly. Uh, and it, it just seems more effortless, too. Manziel, uh, you know, looked look panicked at times. He'd usually make the play, but, you know, it, it seemed very, very moment to moment with him. But with, with Daniels, you know, it just, 
it's not it's it's no sometimes with Manziel his great plays would be kind of surprising like you'd swear he was sacked or you'd swear that was not a good decision and ended up being an awesome play with Daniels like everything he does is more fundamentally sound and you can kind of see where it comes from and it's not very it's not very big uh, even, even on his scrambles it's not very surprising that it ends up being successful all right, I'm moving on. I'm going last thing, to last thing for us, Steve, and we got another call to get to. Okay, uh, well, I'll leave this for tomorrow too. But how about this comment? Uh, I said, "Well, the head coach, you really got to say this." And what head coach said the following: "Fans have a right to complain. I give it to them. I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those dudes, Georgia, are doing. I can promise you, Georgia, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to do that these days." We could use some help. Who, who said Stoops that? Mark Stoops, yeah, Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Yeah. What do you think possessed him to say that? Yeah, I mean, I, I know. Well, when you get your butt beat like well, that, you come up with different excuses for why. I know he was asked a question uh, on the on the radio show or whatever, uh, and you know, I think that it is a little bit of saltiness for the the situation. Um, you know, the George. Look, there's other reasons to go to Georgia other than the money because even if all things are equal. You take you say the money's the exact same. You'd still rather go play football at the University of Georgia than the University of Kentucky. Uh, with, with the facility makeup there, with the ability to win at the highest level there, with what they do getting players to the pros, like that's not that is not a direct comparison of why Georgia gets players more than Kentucky. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, I I think that. I think it stoops underlying frustration with the realization that Kentucky's just not a football school and that it it is just not going to be having the advantages and the abilities that some of these other big schools have. Yeah, I just don't think he should be expecting any Christmas cards from uh, you-know-who, right? Sure. Okay, guys, uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about some weird sports. Tom, you'll be on there? Tom's only on Monday through yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, so not, on, on, not on the show tomorrow. Okay, well, uh, maybe you'll enjoy the podcast. There's some weird uh, championship sports that I came across. And, wow, Tom would love these. Okay, guys, thank you for your time. I know my time is way, way up. So, again, y'all have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. Or you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. As always, that is Retire Word and Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we'll go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line now at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 9 tiger 9 Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? Doing fine, guys. How are y'all? Doing very well. Good. Man, Steve hit the nail on the head. Well, I say that. I didn't know if I was listening to you live or on the podcast. I kept going back and forth because it seems like this is the third day in a row that Steve gave you a bunch of stats <laughs> and asked you why in the world. You know, yeah, I know more about Jaden Daniels than I ever care to know about <laughs> any individual in my life. I mean, shoot, I'm telling you, that's ridiculous. But I'm sure by the, in the end he'll find a way that somebody's got them ranked higher or something that they'll end up winning it because of that. So, but yeah, but I was calling in uh, specifically for what Kirby Smart had said or what uh, Stoops had said. But man, I said this back when NIL first came out. JJ was the host, but both of y'all were there. Sure. Uh, All you got to do is buy a championship. You get as much money as you can by the best coach. It doesn't matter who he's coaching for. You can buy Saban or Kirby Smart. I guarantee you, you give somebody $30 million a year, 
they will leave Alabama. They will leave Georgia, right? And you put all the money out there and buy the best players you can. That's all you've got to do. So this is my thing. And I and how, I can't believe we keep talking about collectives and stuff like that. But nobody knows the balance on this collective, okay? So the only thing that I can say is Gus Malzahn, he took $50 million from the school, but not the collective, right? So if the school's not putting in there, does Auburn just not have the funds that Alabama and Georgia have? Well, they, they certainly uh, were behind there with the NIL when, when it got rolled out the first first year or two. I think they are steadily increasing that, and I think that's seen through program interest. And, and I know this is not necessarily directly feeding into that when I say this, but I think that when you look at something like selling out season tickets as quick as ever before, I think that is kind of a microcosm of – everybody's starting to want to be more involved and when everyone wants to be more involved more money gets involved uh so i think that auburn is is getting into that realm now where they can be competitive they've obviously then, then it comes down like i said like i was saying with georgia and kentucky now auburn's not kentucky but you still have to recruit against okay say you even out the money you still have to recruit against georgia winning two straight national titles bama winning all the titles all the players they send to the pros so the, you go back to your more 2008 type of things to to recruit against other people and that sort of thing so those those battles become a little less about money but yeah i mean the the money is going to dictate where a lot of kids go and certainly it, it helps you get a great head start but i would also still caution that you still not have to know what to do with it because jimbo fisher seems to clearly not know what to do uh, with, with five-star players so there, there still is a way to mess that up right but that, well and that's why i was going to say you've is it my understanding now that you can sign as many kids as you want, as many players as you want? There is no 85, or is there still an 85 limit, but there's not 25 players per year? I believe that's that's what it is. I, I think that uh, okay, yeah, no, I still think there is a limit, but it's not necessarily conducive to one season. Yes, right, because you never can't tell who's going pro and who's going to leave for somebody else. Right, so that would make sense, but. So it is, you still got to evaluate talent. I mean, you get, Peyton Thorne is your quarterback, right? Right. Because Hugh Freeze wanted Peyton Thorne. Yes. Okay. So who, we talked about it earlier last week. So he's got to find another quarterback, right? Yes, he will. So, I mean, so it's got to be, you're going to have to pay that money. I, I mean, I just don't know. This collective thing, like I say, I just think I am. I have never personally bought season tickets to anything, let alone Georgia football. I am not sending $20 to an NIL fund, right? Sure. I mean, uh, so I guess they're looking for the, the upper incomes, the big money, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Is it's not these students or help. It's not even speed, I wouldn't think, right, that they're trying to get the money out of. They're trying to get it out of corporations or i mean that guy from apple he's he's an alum isn't he yeah tim cook yeah he did get auburn yeah he by himself should have auburn in the top 10 in nil money <laughs> you you would think 
I guess he's just not a big football fan, uh, or, or I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's one thing I, I just don't understand. I've said it, you know, ever since this NIL and the stuff, just buy whoever you can, and that's the way it's going to be. Georgia's been doing it for a long time now. And I was – did you see uh, Mark Mark Rick finally took a jab at the NCAA when he when he, uh, when he he kept Gurley out and whoever out, mm-hmm. held out that signed autographs and all that stuff. And now they're having a, a bowling tournament for uh, cancer and stuff. And the Georgia players are playing, and they're going to win a trophy or, a, you know, set of shoulder pads or something if they win. And he – he told the NCAA, man, back in my day, you couldn't do that. <laughs> he goes, I, he goes, he says, we'll go ahead and take, he goes, I'd have taken three game suspension and just fought with the NCAA. That would turned out a lot better, I believe. Yeah, well, and especially a three-game suspension uh, suspension like what, what Michigan had earlier this year when you are playing like UNLV yeah. and, and everything. UNLV, <laughs> yeah. Golly, I'm telling you. And then it's kind of gone away. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Hey, Michigan's top two, let's go. But, um, man, uh, I appreciate you all taking my call. And, uh, hey, let me ask Steve. Steve, when you're on there researching and doing all this stuff, find out what time the game is on. I know you all have that, you know, where you'll you'll tell him at the end of the night, you know, hey, what to watch and stuff. Uh But he sits there and talks two hours about the Braves but doesn't know what time they come on TV at the end of it. Shoot, that's hard to believe. (laughs) But maybe get that sat down, too. But, um, hey, you all have a great show. And I'm glad you all brought the rain. Tom, I hope it's enough to keep you less busy, okay? I, absolutely. So, we, yeah, all the brush fires we've had lately, we need something to wet everything down. I got you. That's for sure. Um, hey, uh, Tom, stay safe, and you all have a great show. Appreciate it, bud. Appreciate it, Jeff. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clement phone line. Certainly appreciate hearing from Jeff here on this Wednesday. With that, we'll take our final timeout of the first hour of the show. Back to wrap up the first hour right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. You want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Final few minutes of our number one. Again, coming up in about 20 minutes, game three between the Braves and the Phillies. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, throughout the majority of the last couple hours of the show again joe bartle of rotowire will come up at 5 15 and talk some nfl some fantasy football with us those uh those mark stoop comments however mark stoop's comments uh read anything into him you, you share his frustration or is he just kind of yelling at a cloud <laughs> salty i, I think yeah. the man yeah. just needs to go talk to his own administration because i read some numbers and it said that kentucky invests 1.2 billion 
or million, excuse me. Yeah. Those are different. <laughs> yeah, yes. very different, yeah. excuse me. 1.2 million in basketball and and uh, in a in their recruitment and things like that. So, and I think it's like a obviously a stark drastic di- uh, difference in how they recruit and how much they spend on football recruiting. Georgia spends like five million dollars on football recruiting, um, and as you can see from the fruits of their labor, it works. Um, so you kind of probably should go talk to your own boosters maybe and say, hey, maybe why don't we divvy this up a little bit? Kentucky already has a big reputation with basketball and their I mean, it, I mean, the reputation speaks for itself, whether, you know, it, it, I mean, it's Kentucky, right? Everybody knows that when you when you say Kentucky, you immediately think basketball at this point. That's really what it is. So if you're if you're going to go and, and, and be upset with somebody, I mean, really, you need to be looking you know, within that's really where you're at at this point. You need to be looking within that. That's all I can think and say about it is, is look at your own boosters. Look at, look at your own, you know, administration and how they're giving out money. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think with what I understand his frustration, but at the same time, like I think he's lost a little bit of sight of where he's at and where Kentucky's yeah, at. Yeah. Like, well, well that, that's, that's just it. That, that's the thing. And they, that. they, can get, they can provide a lot of NIL money, and that's fine. But simply put, Kentucky football does not hold the clout that Georgia football does, that Bama football does, that Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, and, all these other schools that have rich football traditions to them. Kentucky's kind of the new kid on the block. They're trying to – get there yeah they're trying to build but it, it it's hard it's hard to act like a prestigious program when you're not a prestigious program bruce pearl runs into that with basketball right now he gets plenty of recruits but they're and they get a lot of nil money with auburn but it's very very hard for bruce to try to recruit on the same level with a kansas or a duke or somebody or or even kentucky somebody like that because he just, that the Auburn basketball program does not hold the same prestige as those, and so you might be able to offer a lot of NIL money, but there's guys that might would rather go play for Kansas, and maybe for a little bit less NIL money at Kansas than they're offering at Auburn because I actually have a chance to go play for the Jayhawks. Yeah, that that happens, and that's the spot Kentucky's in as a football program is they they just don't hold the same clout that other programs do well and the the football part of it too is is important because they also face that challenge where the schools around them in their space in the middle of the sec bottom half of the sec also don't have to deal with the fact they're not the head honcho program at their at their school like south carolina is a bigger football school than basketball school and Ole Miss cares more about football, and Mississippi State cares more about football. So even them, they don't have to go through the, oh, well, actually our fan base really would rather our basketball team to be good, and really we'd just rather them be good, and football would be nice. But no, they're starving to be good at football too. They just battle the history and tradition part of it too. But certainly when you're also competing with the fact that you're not even the the most preferred sport at your school, that's also going to handicap what you're able to do. We have time for one more quick phone call here before the end of hour number one on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. You know, Stoops complaining, which, I mean, you know, I can understand where he's coming from. I mean, to build a program and be able to win at that high level like that, uh, you're going to need money. 
to attract the recruits or whatnot, and, and they're not willing to put the money out. But everybody need to realize uh, when Coach Bryant was there, he won the uh, conference back in the 50s there at Kentucky, and I don't think Kentucky's ever come close to winning a conference championship since then. But uh, at a banquet, he was given a watch, and the basketball coach, uh, I think it was C.M. Newton, I don't know who it was, whoever the basketball coach was at that time, got a Cadillac. So that told him all he needed to know, and I think he went on to Maryland if I'm not mistaken, before he went to A&M or whatever it was. But uh, he knew then it was time for him to uh, go on down the road. But if you think about it now, if Coach Bryant won a conference title at Kentucky, then I think that's the equivalent of a national championship because Kentucky ain't won a nas- uh, hadn't won a, a conference title since then. And you're talking back in the 50s. So you do the math and come up with how long ago that been. So I don't tell the whole world that Coach Bryant is probably the greatest coach that's ever been. I know people hollering about Nick Saban in more modern times. But uh, it's a mirror image, to be honest with you. That's all it is. I mean, whatever rules and regulations that uh, are now saving took advantage of at this time and whatever rules and regulations that he had or didn't have back when Brian was coaching, he took full advantage of it. Took his and, and beat yours, like he used to say. So you figure if he can go to uh, Kentucky and turn it into a Southeast and Conference champions and go through all those Southeast and Conference showdowns, then uh, that man's a football coach. Cause ain't nobody uh, duplicated a, a, a conference title at Kentucky since. Ain't gonna do it. Now unless now, don't get me wrong. Now unless somebody willing to say, "Hey, we're gonna spend some real money," and I would assume you had to offer whatever recruits you're looking for. If you got the top 25 in the nation, then I would figure if you offer two million dollars a piece, cost you about fifty million dollars. If you're willing to make that kind of investment, then I would almost bet that you'd be able to sign them. Cause who's not gonna take two million dollars? per year or whatever you got going on while you're there at Kentucky. Why would you want to go anywhere else and take real, real less money? Because I don't think anybody else is going to offer $2 million to go to Alabama or Georgia. I mean, you can win a national championship there or whatnot, but money is needed now on the table. you got these got a lot of these recruits coming from single-parent homes, mother working two jobs, trying to make the ends meet and catching all kind of, uh, you know, whatever, trying to work and trying to survive. I can't see how a kid would turn that down if he had a chance to spring his mother out of that trap. Yeah, no, I mean uh, the the money will will uh, change a lot of lives, and and if you're offering the most of it, then that's going to put you in a great position. But again, those those other schools still, I mean, if all things are equal, though, it's still hard. You know, you, you, sure if they offer more, but if, if it's even equal, though, then Kentucky falls way down the uh, totem pole. Tough road there, but you know it ain't like. I mean, think about it. Stoops is taking them bowling on a regular basis, so I would assume if he could mess around and, and get a couple of linemen here, or there, that he ain't got no business getting that can make a difference in the offensive line, a quarterback, or, or a running back, a skill position at that wide receiver, and then get on the defensive side of the ball and mess around and get a big old nasty nose tackle and get a linebacker that just, uh, I mean, you know, think of the, the, the brand of a Mike Singletary or some of the great linebackers we've seen, or Derek Thomas, or or whoever that we've seen over the years or whatnot, just naming them because that's the first thing come to mind. But getting a player like that, maybe getting the secondary and getting your Deion Sanders type of cornerback or here or there and winning some games you ain't got no business and start building a program and maybe tracking some people over that way and have a little look in the schedule. I mean, your non-conference games, you're going to have to have some non-conference games that you just uh, set up to win. Cupcakes, if you want to call them that or whatnot, you got to have all four of those and then see what kind of luck you're going to have in the remaining eight games. But I, I tell you, uh, you know, uh, maybe after the end of this season, maybe he should entertain the idea of going somewhere else. I, I would think some other places are going to be in the market for a coach 
would be a better uh, suit for him to actually bring in some recruits. We'll see how it opens up, but uh, he clearly needs to be somewhere else at this point. Yeah, no, I think that when you you know you wonder about some guys just deciding to be lifers at schools, but I think these kind of comments kind of insinuate that he is getting a little frustrated, and when frustration grows, then you wonder if the grass is greener. So I, I, I can see him leaving, and if he wants to leave, I mean, he it would be now's about the right time because I really just don't know if he can get Kentucky any higher with its trajectory with Oklahoma and Texas joining the league next year. I, I think that this is about the right time to get out of there if he wants to do that, which, again, it, it seems to be that's trending that direction. You know the boosters ought to put that stupid. you got a coach here, like I said, taking your bowling on a regular basis, keeping the program very competitive, and it, more competitive than it's been in years. Why not sit down and try to come up with some kind of package that help if you can get nine wins a season? I mean, hey, that'd be really awesome there. I mean, if you can do that on a regular basis, then grab your bowl victory too. Then once you start doing something like that, then maybe somebody that was at another school that wasn't getting the playing time that might be a, a, a bell cow or whatnot might want to get in that transfer portal and come your way. Or somebody that maybe grades didn't work out at some other school, but your school it might fit them. Or, or somebody that whatever for whatever reason didn't work out somewhere else is just need to be in the right place, and Kentucky might be that fit. Then those boosters say, "Hey, well, let's let's do something. Why not? Why why just uh, settle for just selling for average or whatnot? Spend some money. I mean, money is there. They can't say they ain't got it. They got the conference sharing money and everything else they got coming in for as revenue. So I mean, ain't no need to acting like that. Either you gonna be a uh, a player in the South Conference football, or either go ahead and just uh, go ahead and disband the football team, and uh, or either move down to Vision or One Double A or something." If, if that's the kind of statement you're putting out that you don't care about your football program, then move down to Division One AA and play in that division as far as football goes, and then you won't have to worry about anything like that. Uh, that, that that would be quite the, the drastic move there. I, I don't. I think that ultimately they care a little bit more than that. But uh, well, go to hey, go to Conference USA then. I, I'm sure. I'm sure play. they'd go. I, I'm sure they they do quite well there. And play on Tuesday nights, and then you could probably win the conference with the talent they got right now. They could instantly dominate the conference, I would assume. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why not? You know, that's one thing I hate: Jacksonville State playing on Tuesday nights, and I've got to, you know, I have to work or whatnot. Uh, don't look like they're gonna have any more games on Saturday. Like everything's gonna be Tuesday, Wednesday nights, and the rest of the slate, from what I can tell on the schedule. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll have to look at it too. But certainly, conference Tuesday—that's something new this year. They didn't used to do that. Anthony, we're out of time for this hour, so we got to right, take our hour break. Appreciate the phone call, Anthony. That is Anthony calling from Auburn on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are up against our hour break here. We'll start hour number two in just a couple moments. More football conversation. Also, Braves, Phillies, Game 3 getting underway. And a little bit later, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will join us. This is the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. 
Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls. Fun first hour, chatting about the world of college football. Appreciate our calls from Steve, Jeff, and Anthony. If you want to be a part of the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We open up hour number two with a little baseball as the Braves and Phillies get set for game three, an epic game two for the Braves. And I just wanted to read real quickly uh, before we get underway just uh, to, to put some numbers behind the struggles of one Bryce Elder as the Braves tabbed him for Game 3 started. This is not shocking. There was some potential for A.J. Smith-Shaver, but again, you just don't know what you'd get there. Really not a great third option with Charlie Morton uh, on the injured list. But uh, Bryce Elder, earlier this year, his first 17 starts – Elder was 7-1 with a 2.45 earned run average. He was an all-star, if you will recall. But his final 14 starts, he had a 5.75 ERA, walked 33 hitters in 48, uh, excuse me, 33 hitters in 72 innings, and allowed 11 homers. He lasted five or fewer innings in seven of those 14 starts. So, uh, and then final three starts, if you want to go in an even smaller sample size, even more recently, a 9.49 ERA in his last three starts. Ouch. Uh, and one of those was to the Phillies. So really we're talking about a guy that in the first half of the year was a true all-star, again, sub-three ERA, uh, having his first kind of full year. And then the second half of the year was a guy that would be in jeopardy of losing a rotation spot altogether if you just look at that sort of thing you also have the same lineup as from game two for the braves uh and throughout most of the regular season and we're about to be off of baseball but uh what do you think of the decisions that were made here to uh, i think we are all going to agree that the lineup was smart to go back to but also yeah, yeah. uh would you prefer to see smith shaver even though he's a rookie uh or are you good with l or you just need a quick quick hook if he's not getting it done uh yeah quick hook Definitely quick hook. I mean, if he hey, listen, if, if he looks like pre All Star break yeah, elder, yeah. then obviously run Ride with him. Out. But I mean, yeah, it, yeah, but yeah, if yeah. you can't, so here's the thing. I'm about to read some stats here that I that I just came across. Uh, so Nola is pitching for the Phillies, right? So here's the other thing. You've had a part of uh, a very key part of the Braves lineup that has really struggled against Nola. So you cannot find yourself in too deep of a hole. So if, if Elder is not getting it done, then you're going to have to move on from him pretty quick. So there's that. Uh, Lizzie Crosby has this. Uh, with some of these guys against NOLA this season. Uh, Darno, 5 for 33. I saw that. Yep. Rosario, 2 for 19. Arcia, 1 of 18. Harris, 3 for 17. 
against Nola. Those, yeah, it's rough. That, that is your lineup. Yeah, so you're you're gonna. This lineup has tended to struggle some against Nola, so you you got to have better. And there's no room for Elder to be having a bad day, and you yeah. to just try to. Maybe he'll figure it out. No, if if he's struggling, you're gonna have to get the hook and get somebody else in there that can get you some outs. Right. He's been pretty cool with with runners on base and just you know pressure situations. Um, I I think, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's just sometimes he just has rough the rough outings, especially in the second half of the season. He had quite a few, but um, I, I still think you know even if he gets a couple runners on base, not to I mean. Yeah, just just to let him at least get it out, get out of that. I think he's able, capable of getting out of those situations. Um, but you know, other than that, I, I probably wouldn't see him lasting past three. Let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line here early in hour number two three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up, we've got Gabe from Auburn. Gabe, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing all right. How are y'all? Doing well. Doing well. So I've got a NFL topic for y'all and. I've been watching the season pretty heavily this year, looking at a lot of analysis, and I'm looking at the two best teams in football, or at least what I think are the two best teams, and that would be the Eagles and the 49ers. And you look at the 49ers, and you look at all the weapons and how deep their roster is, and I've just got to put that towards they're not paying Brock Purdy anything. And then you look at the Eagles. It's all veterans. It's all guys. They're getting paid. They're, you know, they bought into the program. They bought into the idea. But I'm wondering if it, if it takes an amazing draft class to be great now with how, how good the 49ers are. It does. Yeah. It nope. takes a high-impact draft class. And, yeah, with the 49ers, yeah, Brock Purdy's still on his rookie deal, and they've, they've invested heavily uh, in the, in the, defensive, in the, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so that's why, I mean, they have the best defense in, in, the, uh, in the NFL. So that's what they've been able to. And then Kyle Shanahan is a great play caller and able to get his guys in the best position to be successful. Yeah, you're, you're always going to want to build through the draft because some of those key positions, they just don't readily become available as much in free agency and via trade that they do in other leagues because the minute anyone gets a good quarterback, they're going to try to pay him through the entirety of his prime. We, we see some older guys change teams, but there's not a lot of 27, 28, 29-year-olds that are deemed really good NFL quarterbacks changing teams very often. And if they struck gold, which is looking like they did with the seventh-round selection of Brock Purdy, then, then that kind of fortuitous stuff in the draft is, is really can what enable you and sustain you for a long period of time. So you're going sure you're always going to have a few fill-ins via trade, uh, via free agency, but you're always going to to want to have the, per, the 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 main point of your production from the draft. Yeah, absolutely. But looking at it from the other side, with the way the Eagles are. And that's, you know, you've bought into the program. And in my opinion, it's more of like a college-style approach where you, if you truly buy it, you can be great, even if you take hits on the money. And so you look at the Eagles, they haven't had a great game yet, I don't think. And they're still 5-0. and Sure. Uh, and so, what impresses know, me, Gabe, about. what impresses me, Gabe, about Philly is that they're – their lines are so good so yep. that even when Hertz, who has not played maybe as well as he did last year, when something like that happens, your lines are so dominant that you can still create your uh, advantageous situations 
in the most important situations. I mean, they have – obviously, we've talked a lot about it. They have tush-pushed their way to first downs on almost every single third and fourth and short all year long. Like, they don't even have to think about some creative yeah. play on third and, and less than two. And so their offensive and defense line – and I saw them in, in person down in, in – uh, in Tampa earlier, you know they they do such a good job of letting everything they want to do develop because of that line, and then defensively, it's very tough up the middle. Like they don't necessarily have they have good pass rushers, yeah. but they don't have like the number one guy that we just absolutely praise, like a Micah Parsons or a Bosa or right. something like that. But it's it's so it's so fast and furious it's up the middle for unit. you. Yeah, it's so fast and furious up the middle with Carter and 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 Fletcher Cox still, who feels like he's seventy years old. Right. It just <laughs> they, they, they do a really good job up the middle, and, and that is is really their identity, and that prevent that allows them to even when their skill guys make a couple mistakes or have a couple weaker moments, their lines of scrimmage they just consistently dominate. Right, and then the the last part of this idea really being developed out is you look at dynasties. And I don't think – do you think the Eagles can be a dynasty with how they're built, or do you think it's more like 49ers consistently drafting well would be more of a likely dynasty? That's an interesting Ooh, question. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I, I think that it's – first we've got to define what the dynasty is. I don't want to go – I know I don't want to ramble and ramble, but first we've got to look at so how many years are we talking, how many – how many titles, how many Super Bowl appearances, that sort of thing. Because a true dynasty sustains for a certain period of time, and, and it looks different in every sport, but certainly we're talking multiple titles over a, a 10, 15-year uh, period of time. And, Patriots type. Sure. And, and so to me, you've got to look at, okay, how can you guarantee the success of the most important parts of the team? And that is quarterback and then line play. So Philly's got that line figured out, and then Jalen Hurts looks to be really good. Is he elite? I, I think he was elite last year. Let's see him continue to be that way uh, throughout multiple years before we say he's you know top three quarterback in the league, top four quarterback in the league consistently, but he certainly played like it last year. Uh, so I think that what, if you have those two figured out, because linemen can last so long, you can have offensive linemen that are still damn good at 37 True. years old, and you can still right. have great quarterback play in your mid and upper 30s. That That's why those positions, when you get them figured out properly, that that's why it can sustain you for such a long period of time. And so I think that ultimately – uh, when when you perfect those two as Philly has, you set yourself up to do that. Whereas San Francisco, they could be in the same boat because of Brock Purdy, because their defensive lines are so good with the pass rush. You know their offense line is baseline, still really good too. Uh, they have the right ingredients. Now it takes one thing to mess all that rhythm and fluidity up. But they've got young head coaches uh, that uh, that that seem to be off. To, I mean, very creative. And again, they've got those lines and quarterbacks appear to be figured out. So I, I like their chances of being really good for a long period of time, but obviously there's a certain amount of title success that you have to have too. Right, absolutely. And then I, really just – this is really just a thought. I, I don't know if it's possible to build a football team as Belichick used to do anymore. You know, since Tom Brady's left, you look at how that program is doing and how you know poor draft after poor draft. 
And, like, can you traditionally build a football team through free agency and through trades? Well, they, they certainly walked a very thin line, and, and Brady enabled them to do things that other teams just simply can't do. Like, the, the receivers they had in the last five or six years of that – uh, now, granted, they haven't had a, an all-time tight end in Gronkowski, but the the, the just the skill set of those wide receivers, as good as Edelman might have been in his role, we saw once those Patriot receivers went elsewhere, it just wasn't the same for them. They were they were perfect for what they did, and right. so they could focus on. It, you you save a little there. You can focus on all the defense that they needed. Belichick was, it has been a, a great defensive coach uh, and, and then maybe splurge a little bit on, on keeping great offensive linemen because they always seem to have uh, had solid pass-protecting offensive lines to where, yeah, they didn't need the big-name running backs and, and wide receivers for a long period of time. And there's only, again, a certain class of quarterback. Very, very few guys can walk that thin line. I think Kansas City, by the way, is kind of starting to try to walk that line because because they yeah. really don't have a lot of good wide receivers right now. They have Travis Not Kelsey, all, yeah. who's who's 34, but then they've got Kadarius Toney and, and guys that just would not be number ones or twos elsewhere. Uh, so they're, they might be about to try to walk that same line if they do it that way. But uh, it, it is certainly – again, New England had something special. You don't just win that many titles, have that many great years without something unique that, that is not easy to duplicate. So, uh, you know, I, I think in that instance, yes, it's going to be very hard to duplicate that. If there is a team that would try, it would be Kansas City. But, again, you got to do it for 10 to 15 years. Right. right. Well, thank you. Absolutely, Gabe. Call us, uh, call us more often. We really appreciate that phone call. Absolutely. That is uh, Gabe from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, talking a little NFL right there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the ingredients are very similar there for right. Philly and San Fran. Uh, and then, you know, out uh, in the AFC, Kansas City's always, you know, you will have your years. That's why I wanted to define a dynasty too, because I, I guess the last point I could say is, like I take a team like Pittsburgh, who was always good for 15 years, right. but in no way would I say that they were a dynasty because they were beaten more often than yeah. not by the Patriots. For but sure. they had quarterback continuity and coach continuity for for more than a decade. They won't go to all these playoffs. They win a title or two. It's an incredibly successful run. It's still ultimately not a dynasty. So that's why I talk about you know Jalen Hurts is a good NFL quarterback, right. but for them to, for you to to go cusp above a title or two because it's so hard to win yeah, one title. title. Yeah, to go back or, to back or, is you, sure. Ask Buffalo of the nineties yeah. <laughs> or or ask ask San Francisco right. who's had this roster for a few years. See, that's now. what I was going to say. I was going to say San Francisco. I feel like has had that sustained success. I mean, it, you know, pretty much almost since Shanahan got there uh they've they've been able to be pretty successful um in in getting to the playoffs and in really successfully getting to the second round in fc championship they've fallen short a couple times i know they they got to the world uh the excuse me they got to the super bowl um and and you know lost to kansas city ultimately and that was a close game good game whatever i uh, ultimately i think we we decided that quarterback play was the thing that kind of held them back from winning that championship uh but I feel like you know they've had that sustained uh, sustained success. That's a lot of S's, <laughs> right? Um, and and I think they're close, really, to a dynasty. Like they're close to being able to 
compete. I think the only true dynasty right now you could probably say would be Kansas City if they get you know maybe one more. Then you're really talking about a dynasty from Kansas City. But other than that, you know, I I think San Francisco is really close. I think they really could have had a chance at winning the Super Bowl last year had Brock Purdy not got hurt, uh, and they you know went through like what three quarterbacks in the playoffs, and you know we're still able. I think I think we're still able to beat Dallas, and I think Brock Purdy would played that game, but. Other than that, they they you know um, they've just fallen short. I think with the quarterback play now they have Purdy and he seems to really be the guy and really understanding the offense and you know everything and 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 he's accurate, good and and just is playing quite well. I think this will be the the final piece that really sets them up to be able to um, maybe get over the hump, get to the championship as long as everybody obviously, like you said, stays healthy. Right. That's something that is just extremely key. Uh, and, and then from there, I, I, I don't see how they can build a dynasty. Honestly, I, I just don't see how, how they're, they're not just like, they're right there. I really see right. it. Well, and, and again, and, and also that's why I'm too, I'm, I'm trying not to get too hung up on it, but it's like, you can only really have one, maybe two to, dynasties yeah, at a time, right. because di- to be a dynasty, you have to dominate. A- yeah. And no one can really come above you unless you could have a coexistence of one, one team dominates this thing. league and right. one team yeah, do- AFC, dominates this AFC league. and NFC dynasty. Like, like the Lakers and Celtics of right. the 80s. Right. Uh, to where it was one of them in the title every year, one of them winning the title four out of five years. And, or, and so LeBron and, and Golden State. Right, right. LeBron's his own thing there in yeah. the East and Golden State the West. Right. You know, that that has been more of a basketball thing. And there's just not been too you know, again, definitions change depending on the sport, but that's why I say, you know, there were some really good organizations and programs for really the entirety of the Patriots run. Because uh, even Indianapolis, for about two thirds of it, until Manning went to Denver, yeah. you know, Indy, Indy for playoff. ten to twelve yeah. years was Getting the biggest in. threat. Absolutely, but they didn't beat them, but a couple of times. Yeah. It's tough. And, and so it's like, well, I can't. If you're getting beat more often than not by somebody, I don't classify it that way. No. And for sure, you know, I agree that that will be a problem for San Francisco and Philly. Whoever wins out, or if they both continue on for five to ten years, is unless it's the most easy even of splits to where they both get in on the, the pie, it's really going to be one of them versus Kansas City yeah. as the main threats year after year. But again, it will be interesting uh, to, po- to figure out which one between Philly and San Francisco it is because San Francisco has already got more of a head start of this. I agree. Uh, but but Philly might be, maybe looks a little more appealing oh, I- from the standpoint of – of just how good a a Smith and and Brown are, but also how they've they figure out every few years this new play, and it's not new because we've always <laughs> right, done some right. sort of QB sneak, but this new wrinkle of a play that then makes the league panic about it. Um, so I, I certainly see longevity in those two organizations, but ultimately. If Jalen Hurts is the seventh best quarterback in the league or third will matter a lot. If Brock Purdy becomes a top five quarterback in the league or he's more like 10th or 11th will matter a lot uh, in the scheme of things because those are the durable positions and those are the most important positions. And you you just can't have – because, I mean, heck, I I would tell you this too – 
when mentioning those other AL team or AL teams, see, we're all doing it. We're kind of yeah, right. noticing the Braves game on the top of the screen. Uh, those other AFC teams, it was Roethlisberger the whole yeah. time. It was Manning until Indy fell apart, and then it was Luck for a little while, but it was mainly Manning. And like you, in, in all these teams, they usually have that quarterback stability, and so that's why it's incredibly relevant to me that you assume, uh, kind of assume a certain level of quarterback play because without it, with fluctuation of that quarterback, even even the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the league will miss a playoff here. And right, there, right. You know, and, and so that's why you have to attain a certain level. And then if you start missing playoff every fourth, fifth year, then it's hard for me yeah. to call you a dynasty. Right. You know, it's hard to be, make you respectable. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a great question. Uh, definitely a great conversation starter. We had some fun with that one. We will go ahead and take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour. We will have some more NFL thoughts a little bit later. Again, Joe Bartle of Rotowire coming up at 5.15. Talk some fantasy football with us. We'll have some Braves thoughts coming up. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program, about halfway home on this Wednesday. And certainly appreciate you for tuning in or calling in and listening, however you may be listening. And that includes the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Again, if you ever miss Sports Call Live, you can listen to us after the fact, or you can hear something again on that Sports Call podcast. It's available wherever you may be getting your podcasts, including that Tiger Communications app, which we highly recommend you to download. And also, we usually have, so if you go on the app, we have a couple different ways you can stream. One of them is through a Sports Call Auburn tab. That stream has continued to not work since the beginning of last week. We've been in contact with the developers who are located overseas. And uh, have oh, still not been getting, yeah, still not been getting uh, quite the solution figured out. But in that same Tiger Communications app, the Tiger ninety five point nine tab, you can also listen to us live, and that runs through a different streaming mechanism that goes twenty four seven. That's how we run the the entirety of the app, and so uh, you can listen to us via that way. All right, so there's some housekeeping. Uh, well, one more one more bit of housekeeping. You never do never keep the uh, the house tidy yeah, enough for sure. Uh, when you dust one place and there's a dust bunny in another place, but uh, you got uh, tonight at six o'clock the high school coaches show from the End Zone Bar and Grill. Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry will be out there. Oh. Uh, Brant making probably his only appearance of the year. His uh, he usually has class on Wednesday nights, but uh, fall, break, fall hit, break hitting a little early for everybody. And so Brant Daughtry, yes, uh, the voice of Smith Station, will be out there with Brooks Childress for the high school coaches show. We hope you'll go out there to the Enzo Barn Grill and hear from some of the area's finest coaches. All right, housekeeping complete for now. And we continue on with this 
Wednesday edition of the show. Again, 515 Joe Bart will be joining us. We'll talk in some NFL and MLB right now. Some of the professional ranks here in the middle of the week. Of course, we've also been talking some Auburn LSU this week. But uh, NFL observations, uh, again, I, I know we kind of pick the games for this upcoming week tomorrow on Thursday, but we still give some observations from the year so far. I'll give you an observation that is on the negative side of things. You know, I, I just cannot believe how unfortunate we've gotten with the New York teams being on so many national TV <laughs> I know, games, right? having <laughs> decently high expectations, and just being—we can't even flex. Almost unwatchable. Seven. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That that has been quite disappointing. I agree. Um, you know, it just—I mean, the, the Jets' season just completely got derailed with with the injury to Aaron Rodgers, and I know they're saying you know he's coming back and all this stuff and. I will believe that when I see it. I will. I know he's got. He got some new revolutionary surgery. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. That's an Achilles injury. He's not coming <laughs> back this he's year. He's saying that he wants. He's, nah. He is saying that he is coming back. I don't buy it. I'm. I don't buy it. That would be absolutely wild if he was able to come back from an Achilles injury within the year. Absolutely would be wild. Um, but yeah, I. I it's a. It's very unfortunate. And then. You know, with the Giants, Dale Jones has just not been good. The offensive line for the Giants hasn't really been great either. Saquon getting hurt obviously doesn't help either because he's your most useful weapon. Uh, and and kind of he's the one that opens up the offense in all honesty. He's he's the one that helps helps uh you know, Daniel Jones and helps the offense to get vertical um, and opens up uh, running lanes for Daniel Jones, which is something that kind of makes him as, as useful as, as he's been, uh, especially last year. Um, but they don't have that. They, they, they don't have that uh, with Saquon getting hurt. And, and it's really, uh, really messed up a lot of the flow of things that they've got going on. So uh, I, I, I have faith in Brian Dable. I think he will eventually be able to figure out. But I also think that the Giants made a mistake in paying Daniel Jones, uh, especially that contract. Did not think he was worth that. Um, and probably should have let him walk, just ate the year, and then drafted a quarterback. But here we are. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can, you're, you're kind of stuck with him now. So you got to do, you got to make do with what you got. Oh, and here's what you got so far. Oh, no. Don't tell me the stats. I'm going to tell you the oh, stats. Oh, gosh. So far through five games, Daniel Jones, five games. Two touchdown oh, passes. Oh, man. Six interceptions. Oh, no. Ouch. A QBR that is good for 28th oh, in the National no. Football League. Guys, that's not He's good. paid how much? Um, oh, his con- I don't, I don't oh, have that in front gosh. of me, and I don't think you want that one. Um, <laughs> I will try to figure this out in short order. But, yeah, it, it, is a, it is a lot of money, and it was just signed. So, again, it's going to be a lot of money. You know, I think that with him, mistakes were made. Yeah, here's the problem: is he has never been above, and he's young. But other than a few flashes towards the end of last year, coming off some new day bowl action and that sort of thing, four years, 160 million. He played like an average to above average quarterback, slightly above average for just a small period of time last year. Other than that, he is at, at, no, at no point been above average. He's been average for the rest of the of the career so far, which is still pretty short. But 
you know, uh, I mean, you can go through some of your standard, well, the receivers are just okay and and all that, yeah, don't have Barkley and that sort of thing. But it's like when you pay a guy $40 million, which is uh, rough <laughs> math, about eh, 17% of the salary cap, Goodness something in gracious. there, 16%, something in the 15, right. 15 to 18% range. You, you, you have you to make those around better, you better. Yeah. Right? I mean, you expect th- better production. Th- that's something that we're talking about with Mac Jones a little bit in New England, where I, I completely understand skill positions in their totality, bottom third of the league in New England, no doubt. But if you're to be a franchise quarterback, you can't be so driven and completely driven by what is around you. You at some point have to help drive some right. of those other players to yeah. looking a little better. And look, only only the elite quarterbacks get something out of everybody regardless. The good quarterbacks can take decent receivers and make them good. The average quarterbacks kind of bat with what they've got. They if they've got bad stuff, they look bad. If they've got good stuff, they look good. That's kind of like Kirk Cousins like. And then the bad quarterbacks will take good and make it okay. And they'll take bad and make it look like you're not a starter in the NFL. And that's what Mac Jones is looking like right now. Like he's not even looking like a starter in the NFL. If if he had good stuff around him, sure, he'd look fine. He'd look average. But I'm not sure. Like if if he had, and I know people are saying, well, he looked great at Alabama, and he was, but still college versus pro. If he had a top seven or eight skill position set around him... I was going to ask. I still think he'd only be about the 15th most productive quarterback in the league. And so that's what I'm talking about. Like When you have great stuff, it's really hard to look bad. So Because I'm getting on the train. uh, My quick thought here is I'm getting on the train that I'm moving... I thought Garoppolo was average in San Francisco. I'm starting to move him down a little bit towards the below average. For sure. Because... I think that Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers Are. and Mayer from from Notre Dame and Renfro, that I think that's a top ten to twelve receiving group yeah, there. Sure. And they look actively below average. Yeah. And so again, like I just said, bad quarterbacks will take good things and make them look below average and Vegas is functioning as a below average offense. So that's why I think that at the very least, Mac is is a below average quarterback because even if he were to have good stuff, yes, his ability would increase. But do you think that if Mac Jones had the seventh rate, if he had Vegas's receiving core, would he be above the tenth best quarterback in the league? No, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. He might be instead of like 26 or 27th like he is now, he might be 20th. Right. But he would he would not be top 10 or 12, and that's how I know that he's at least below average. So if you, so then so then here's my question to you, Ryan: If you're New England. You drafted him fifteenth two years ago. What do you? Well, I I would. What do you do? Right? Because in the in this next upcoming draft, you clearly need a, a wide receiver. You need a skill position player. I think I think Ramondre Stevenson is a perfectly fine running back. I think yeah. he can definitely you know carry that role. He he showed it last year, uh, but it's been just so clear that the wide receiver core is just extremely weak you signed what Gasecki uh tight end and then you have one more pretty good tight end Hunter Henry Hunter Henry who's pretty solid as well so that I mean your tight ends are fine yeah but that you need that receiver because Juju is fine he's just not a one no he's not a one at all and and I I mean I can't even name the other but but see here well sure but here's the thing too is like 
I just talked about in reference to Vegas. Like I like Jacoby Myers. Like even playing with Garoppolo, yeah, I've right. enjoyed watching Jacoby Myers. That's I fair. feel like he's productive. Right. Well, he was in New England a couple of years and ago, they, and we were talking about like he's just not that good. Yeah. Well, now he looks at least competent. Right. So again, it's not like they've. It, I'm not going to revise it and say they had something good over there. It was still average, below average talent, but yeah, they had sure. something that you could work with, and that's why Mac looked a little more competent. I think that if you're in New England. Look, this is year three for him. What, the rookie deals are four years yeah. with the fifth-year option, and right. I don't think they picked the fifth-year option up. I just wouldn't pick the fifth-year option right. up. Because what I would say is Mac needs to obtain a certain level this year. Here's the good news for England. New England's not good. No. So if he gets actively better throughout the year, they will then transition into 7-10 and 10 or something closer to where we thought they'd be. Right. And then Mac will feel look pretty good. You'll have the 13th pick, and you'll take a receiver, right, and right. then you'll have a shot at it. Yeah. But if he's playing as poorly as he is right now all year, they're no. going to be top five in the draft right, anyway. Right, right. It'll be like Carolina yeah, be, and yeah. then uh, Arizona and Chicago, and then it <laughs> might be, be New it'll England. It'll be Chicago and Chicago. Well, yeah, technically, <laughs> yeah, it will be. And Chicago's going to get Caleb Williams. Right, right. I mean, they're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes right now. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, unless Fields yeah, keeps unless, playing like he did the last two weeks. Unless Fields play well, um, as well. And, and so th- the thing is, is they will be so bad because he will have been so bad it answers it for you, right. and you're and in you, position you to take quarterback. quarterback. Okay, because I think that they're, I think that it should still be Williams one, May two, and it just depends on who, who's drafting where, right. and what the right. needs are. I think Arizona will take quarterback. I think they're, I just think they're kind of done with Kyler personally. <laughs> what whether <laughs> whether so they should weird. be okay, you're right, is okay. different okay. than whether they are, they are or not. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, previous regimes quarterback, right. so I get it. You want your own person right. that you're drafting, so I understand. Sure. Um, you know, Carolina doesn't have a pick, so it's going to be to Chicago. So Chicago's going to have two picks in the top three to five. So really, the Fields is kind of in the same situation because yeah. this is year three for him, right. correct, right? Yeah. It's really I the mean, same thing. I mean, one of those picks is absolutely going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. Right, right. And so they can decide Fields plays well enough the next 12 games to warrant. Let's just give him a real number one. Yeah. DJ Moore is really good. I, I think he's a really, oh, lower level DJ number one. DJ Moore is yeah. your number two. You're feasting. Yeah, you're, you're awesome. Oh, yeah. He's he's that tweener where he's yes. in the 20s or 30s yeah. in, the, in the receiver oh, ranking. So. Yeah, he's a, he would be, he's a good number one, elite number yeah. two. So what you can do there is you can say, well, we're going to give him – no excuse right. next year no, with what yeah, we'll sure. draft. But also that'll make them trade candidates too if they wanted to and, right. and trade back again like they did with Carolina because right. somebody needs use, the quarterback. Yeah, right. I mean, they'll have a wealth of options. So Chicago Absolutely. will probably dictate a lot of what goes on here. But then, like I said, other than those uh, Arizona uh, and Chicago owning two of the top five picks – New England could uh, – seriously, it seems like blasphemous, but they could be if they're five. going to get housed by New Orleans at home and not right. score, you better believe like 3 and 14s <laughs> on the table yeah, all of right, a sudden. Because right. if they play like that team constantly yeah. – They'll uh, be in trouble. And, yeah. And, and, and you got to look at drafting a quarterback for sure. Absolutely. We're going to take one final timeout here in the 4 o'clock hour. Back to wrap up the second hour of the show right after this. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Everyone frantically watching the Braves and the Phillies here. And I want to remind you that you can listen to that game on AM 1230 WAUD. We will not be offended. We certainly understand. No, and that's why you can no go offense, back and man. listen to us after the fact in the Sports Call podcast. So, uh, plenty of ways to get a, a lot of Tiger Communications content right here. Uh, top of the third inning, no score in that one. Acuna just hit a double as we were coming on back on the air. Right, and so uh, Elder you, has you looked guys good. Will, you guys, I'll tell you behind the scenes, you guys were 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 acting up no. earlier acting this hour up. at the end of the first inning. TP's been fine. You've been you've been fine over there, but we've had a lot of hand talk- motions. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, we were talking on the, the orthopedic clinic phone line. Cussing and I was, with our hands. I was <laughs> trying to stay at it. Uh, and uh, now that might oh, end up a, being one nothing for Atlanta yes, if uh, Acuna got a good jump, and yes, he did. So Let's Braves are go. on the board first right. there uh, as Get we try not to let the show just devolve into a watch party. But yeah, few, final few minutes here of hour number Ooh. one, or hour number two, excuse me. Again, Joe Barnell coming up 515 at Red O'Wire. Uh, this is the – part of the program each Wednesday because I don't play and I'm not keeping up as much uh, where I ask you both uh, how many injured players do you have? Oh, Are you ready to phone it in for the season? I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm never ne- ready to phone I'm, it in. I am not never. ready to phone it in, but I have I have had some injuries from, from the get-go. But I am struggling. With some. I officially had to put Justin Jefferson on my IR because I was the number one pick and the number one pick seems to be a curse. So, yeah. I mean, he's out for yes. four or five weeks. Now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he's going on IR. Uh, and then Amon Ross St. Brown got hurt uh, and didn't play last week. And hopefully he'll be back from his abdomen injury. So got to deal with that. Darren Waller is being Darren Waller consistently injured or something's yeah. always nagging him. I'm sure he's going to play. Maybe he will. I don't know. Maybe he won't. I'll figure it out. And uh, Miles Sanders is questionable, it seems like, too, because he, I don't know, but he forgot how to play football anyway, so not like it really matters. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going through it just a, just, just a tad. Um, bright side, I did get Jonathan Taylor back. He did. Bad news he is Moss he, yeah, balled he, out. He yeah. balled out, and he, you know, I, I didn't want to start him last week. Uh, I just didn't have a choice because Jameer Gibbs ended up not playing. Not like that was a much better option, but it might have been because at least he gets about like nine, ten points maybe. Jonathan Taylor got me like two points, three points, yeah. something like that. So it was rough, but I, I had to play him. I didn't have a choice. See, here's how my season's going now. I've, had, I've already had to uh, drop some uh, – the Ravens running back that got knocked J.K. out. J.K. Dobbins. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, one of my top picks. He, he, he gets knocked out quick. I drop him. Uh, I've had another wide receiver get knocked out with a with an injury uh, the other week. I'm like, hey, I can make a move here and I can get Devin Achain because, man, they're having a great – he is having a historic run and he's yeah, available. Yeah. I get him. Guess what happens? <laughs> IR. Injures knees on That's the IR. Tough. So, like, daggummit. And I've got uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, my number one pick in both leagues that I play in. He's questionable with after rolling his uh, ankle. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if I'm going to have him. I've got T. Higgins. He's been questionable. 
uh i it's been it's been one thing after the other for me and uh i've been surviving but the, i i've won some lost some that the frustrating thing with my fantasy this year is that it's like each week i have my lineup is solid and there's projected each, for a lot my, projected for a lot of points and projected for a win and usually projected for a win by a good bit and I still lose. Yeah. And I'm like, duh. Yeah, I mean, like, what is going on yeah, here? My team was like, statistically, after looking through it, it was one of the best teams that had been drafted. And I had the number one pick. And I'm two and three right now. So I, I'm I'm struggling. Hopefully we get we get back right. I was at 500. Then I lost because I lost both of, both of my top wide receivers. Um, so here we are. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, I'll ask uh, old Joe a few questions, and uh, <laughs> so, hopefully he gives me some good insight. So here, here's your prime example. So I'm looking at my uh, the one for here in the office, and I'm going up against uh, all two well, which it says Brooks Childress, I guess. Yeah, it's, that's one. He has like two, yeah. doesn't he? No, he has, it's Brooks and Blaine. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, well, so I'm up against Brooks. All right, I'm two and three on the year. He's three and two. Right now, I am projected for 130 points. He's projected for 112. I'll will, take Brooks and the points. I will probably <laughs> lose that. That's typically how yeah. mine has gone. Is like my projection is like one thirty something to one twelve, and I lose. I'm like, how, how does that happen? I don't. I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm just looking as as I'm, a neutral I'm fa- observer. I'm favored on my other one at one seventeen to one fourteen against I, my sister. Well, there you go. I'm two two and one. She's one four and zero, oh, and I'm favored one seventeen to one fourteen. Also, that. the tie in the fantasy is just. Unbelievable. Two and three in the one. Yeah, right. A tie in fantasy. That's wild. It's just maybe it's just me from the neutral perspective that doesn't ever play, but I don't feel like I ever talk to anybody. It's just like, yeah, my fantasy team's good. No injuries. We're all good. We're going through the year, uh, getting ready for the playoffs. Here's here's how crappy my week. Again, I'm going on the one for here. Excuse me. This is a a question I'm going to have to ask Joe about. uh, Is like, how much patience do you have with a quarterback? Because obviously your quarterback, you need to get a lot of points out of your QB. I've been riding Lamar Jackson. I keep hoping that Lamar Jackson is going to have that breakout performance that you're just like, here we go, there's Lamar. Last week he had nine points. I would have been better off starting. Steelers defense. I know. I don't care. You're supposed to do better than nine points. I would nine have doesn't sound good to me. No, I, it's not good. I would, have, I would have been. Defense, I would man. have been better starting Russell Wilson. Hey, you would have. They've been, he's been playing Tom Peavy's fantasy uh. team. Let's ride. All right, end of hour number two. <laughs> Coming up in hour number three, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, and at 5.15, Joe Barnell of Rotowire. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, we will have Joe Bartle of RotoWire on to talk a little NFL fantasy and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, for the 5 at 5 today, just going to spend – it's more not a really numerical thing. We're just going to do five, five minutes here uh, on the MLB postseason. But the Sports Call 5 at 5 is presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure – potential buyers your friends at southeastern land group can also help you with that too call john harden at 334-524-2756 or call brian watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com we've been talking some braves phillies but we already have one team that has been eliminated from the ds round and that is the 101 win Baltimore Orioles, who were swept off their feet by the Texas Rangers. Rangers on to the ALCS, where I'm going to take a wild guess. They're going to end up playing the Houston Astros, which will be another divisional battle. The battle uh, of the Lone Star State. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, you might have it. If he can come back, you might have a Scherzer Verlander. Oh, that'll be fun. uh, Which, of course, both notably start with (laughs) the Mets this year. Uh, It's so crazy. But, uh, but, yeah, we, we. I remember last Wednesday we talked about the power rankings of teams, and yeah. I had I unfortunately I put Houston above Baltimore, and I certainly put Philly above uh, Baltimore. It's just so hard your first postseason, and especially with yeah. the rules we've been talking about to sit there for a week and then have to play the most important games of the year. And uh, Baltimore did not handle it well, and and yeah. that's a shame. It's a bummer. It is a bummer, man. They, they were a fun team so to watch. Yeah, they, they I were hate that. The, the whole splash pad thing that they had going on, yeah. and splashes on or whatever. I mean, they were a fun team to watch. And uh, but yeah, the you know so, inexperience in the playoffs, and and they have to take the long break, and they just yeah. were not able to recover from it. And Lindsey Crosby also said something else when uh, just talking about the Orioles at the trade deadline. He said that they did not get enough pitching he said they did not have the pitching to go you know go the distance in terms of of going to to a world series win a world series advance however far uh in the playoffs and it, i mean it seems like they were right i mean uh, i mean or he was right uh i mean this the rangers just i mean just teed off on their pitchers and and that's very unfortunate yeah i mean they certainly uh, they they were getting down early and often. Rangers scoring a bunch of runs. That, that series was really not even competitive. No. Uh, to be honest with you, and uh, you know the Rangers were a team that I didn't feel great about coming into the postseason because yeah, had they had a great opportunity to win the division and they had a bad last week and had to go into the wild card round. But hey, you get the advantage of playing in the wild card round and get going. They beat Man. Tampa twice. And then all of a sudden they they go and beat the Orioles. That Astros Twins series got up to two one after the Astros thoroughly uh, beat the the Twins yesterday in Minnesota. That one is I think about a six o'clock start tonight for Game Four. 
Uh, and uh, and just Houston's been the team to kind of buck these trends. We're talking about how uh, how it's been very tough for teams to be able to sit for five to six days and then all of a sudden play their standard yeah, of baseball. Absolutely. And yet the Astros are the team that have won each of the last two postseasons in the first round and are on the cusp of making it three. I, and I, I, I don't know what – you need to emulate there because again i i asked a, a question that was kind of rhetorical in the group as the braves were getting no hit the other night i was like I, like if the braves go out this way three straight and all that usually that would necessitate change i don't know what that would be like i like i don't right. know what you're supposed to do if you win 104 games and you have this great lineup that was hit for, uh, you know knocking off franchise records yeah. you know you could say oh add a pitcher here and there sure but like it's been the offense the, that's yeah. not been any good right, right. in the postseason so Offensive like some that's again that's the sample size you work with you such a refined amount of time after a very long slow walk throughout the season. And it, it's tough for these teams that win 100-plus games to, to figure out what to do if you go down swinging like that. Yeah, because I was listening to you guys talk about it on the show a little bit yesterday, too, when, when you know it kind of gets to a point where you think about it's really starting to become a true disadvantage to have that uh, to have that buy because your offenses, your teams are getting cold, and and the teams that are in the wild card are, are you know, continuity they're playing hot they're continuing to do what they've done throughout the season and 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 you build momentum especially as you go through those these three game series so i'm not sure what you would do to rectify and fix that i i i don't i guess maybe add a team maybe make it eight because then everybody has to play i i don't know i i don't know i i don't know I just yeah you know again I and I but the, but the thing is you don't just add a team you add yeah, no, you'd have that two yeah, yeah. You'd have uh, six right, right now shoot so again I mean you'd get to the point yeah, two teams my, my where you'd have yeah, sixteen of thirty in and I'm sorry I just don't see how the sport that goes the longest and plays the most should have just uh, you know have as many teams yeah. as anybody in a postseason and I was describing oh, it yesterday I was describing it yesterday where. Um, and Bryce Harper just said three, three run homer. homer. Yep. So uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I just um, knew it in my bones. I did. Too. I did too. I'm sorry. We just completely derailed this conversation. Yep. So, soon as the soon as the guy in front of him just got that infield base hit, I was like, he's about to hit a three run bomb. And Jesus, he just damn near hit one out of the stadium. But uh, you know, I think that it, it becomes difficult to justify how you play uh, the, the longest period of time in the regular season. Yet you have such a short postseason but again that's the nature of it and uh, it, it gets pretty difficult to do that and of course the other series going on uh, game three tonight is Arizona and the Dodgers and the Dodgers are in a massive 2-0 hole yeah. going back to Arizona and this would be yet another year for the Dodgers to be in the same situation the Braves are currently in where you end up having a 100-win team that ends up you know, being ousted immediately in the postseason. And, again, I, I, that's why I'm saying like, I think it's getting pretty close to being enough results to say it's not a freak thing, that it's more of a yeah, competitive disadvantage. Competitive disadvantage. Um, and, and so that's certainly worth monitoring. Now, will the league change it? I, I, don't, I don't think so, at least not soon. I think they'll have to have more data than just three years, but – 
it certainly is an uncomfortable trend, and I don't necessarily think that it's good for the sport if the weaker teams all year long are the teams yeah. ending up in the in the World Series, regardless of, of media market and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it progresses, but certainly trending in the wrong direction for a lot of these teams that ended up being the higher seed. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of the 5 o'clock hour. When we come back, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is hi my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock running the board, taking phone calls this afternoon. And we now go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on our good friend Joe Bartle of RotoWire here to talk some more fantasy football with us. Joe, the time is always appreciated. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We are doing quite well. Well, well we, we were doing good when this uh, – Braves-Phillies game started, and then Bryce Harper decided to hit one to uh, New Jersey. And, yeah, not looking good for the Braves early right now. Yeah, the uh, amount of empathy I have for you is about as much success as the Brewers have in the postseason, (laughs) which is zero. So sorry uh, that your amazing team gets to not live up to expectations. I'm well aware of that throughout all of my Wisconsin sports tenure and i feel very little for you <laughs> uh so joe let's uh let's start uh start talking some fantasy here we have another slew of, of running back injuries here uh this week uh with a couple other guys you know you did have a positive in jonathan taylor come back and, and now get a long-term deal with indianapolis but a few more running back injuries how does that shake up some certain situations yeah it's it's tricky because like devon achan who is been a revelation for the Dolphins was already probably a wave wire pickup for I don't know, 60% of leagues out there so that he's gone for three or four weeks. It stinks, obviously, uh, that he was at that point now a guaranteed starter, but it wasn't like it was a draft capital that you invested significantly a la Nick Chubb or something to that extent. So that's tricky um, in the sense that I don't know if there's any clear pickups. Jeff Wilson was on injured reserve for the Dolphins, obviously a former running back to the 49ers. They acquired him last year was pretty good uh, in, in certain durations for them, and I think is probably the top wave wire pickup, but they haven't activated him yet, and there's no guarantee they get activated this week. So that's the question is, do you go with a self-nodman in deeper leagues, or do you try and get Jeff Wilson and hope that you can end up waiting it out? In leagues that don't have an injured reserve spot, that's a really tough ask. So I'm not sure there is a great scenario in regards to the Dolphins' backfield, but certainly for James, uh, James Conner, it seems like Amari DiMarcato is going to be the guy, he took over for Keontae Ingram, who was the draft capital investment of the Cardinals of sorts. I think he was a day three, but early day three selection has been disappointing throughout his two years. I will confess, I know very little about DeMarcado's game uh, in the sense that 
what he did in college when he could translate to the NFL. Like even in the case of Jaleel McLaughlin for the Broncos, you knew he could be a, a, a big explosive player uh, and could be a pass-catching threat, kind of like what Alvin Kamara was for the Saints, different body type, certainly, but similar concept. I don't know what you could say for DiMercato. Other than the Cardinals are probably incentivized to see what they have in him. I mean, if James Conner's going to be out at minimum four weeks, uh, the Cardinals were the the top odds for worst record in the league and have already, I think, exceeded expectations. I want to try out my young talent if I'm the Cardinals. I think you're in a situation to do so. So uh, at least at minimum four weeks, Steve Mercado is going to be a running back two scenario. Uh, and I could see it even being longer in, in that regard, too. And then speaking of uh, Jonathan Taylor, and obviously, like you know, like uh, Ryan said, he got paid and he's back on on, on the team playing for the Colts. And um, Anthony Richardson then goes on IR now for four weeks, um, and Gardner Minshew will now be the starter. Do you think? First of all, do you think that Jonathan Taylor is going to end up taking most of the workload from Zach Moss as slowly, progressively? quickly um and and do you think that the loss of anthony richardson is going to impact the colts run game uh drastically or at any at any point yeah you guys know i do the tuesday waiver wire show for us and i actually was shocked with how many questions people had asking hey do i pick up de mercado or to pick up zach moss who was dropped i guess in a lot of leagues after the news that jonathan taylor resigned and was activated off the pup list uh i like zach moss to the extent that it's it's good for that offense to have as many capable running backs as possible, and I think Zach Moss has certainly filled that bill for the Colts, and yeah, I would assume Jonathan Taylor at some point is going to be close to the 60-65% workload, but I'm not sure how you just put away Zach Moss. I think there's actually a room uh, with the way the Colts operate offensively that you can have both those guys be fantasy relevant to the point where I'd say start them both this week. If you have Zach Moss or if you have Jonathan Taylor and you're certainly needing running backs, it is not a bad choice at all in my mind to play either or both of those guys. I would assume by the end of the season, Jonathan Taylor is going to have more carries, even uh, even knowing that he spotted Zach Moss five games. But yeah, I, I think it's certainly possible. I do have a bit of reservation about the offense as a whole. Because if you said, "Hey, Anthony Richardson is your quarterback all season long for the Colts," I would like Anthony Richardson to have them play. But also, I think that makes Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor better too, so that he's gone and probably out for a lot of the uh, fantasy regular season is really difficult and really frustrating, um, especially in the case of Jonathan Taylor, who you know, signed the deal and, and talked about how he was excited to play for Anthony Richardson and got all two quarters before that's effectively over. So I'm hoping things are better with Gardner Minshew, or at least that they can maintain the offensive efficiency that they've had this season. But we kind of know what Gardner Minshew is at this point in his career, and it's not just some pinup model uh, wearing blue jeans and a bare chest, right? I think he's he has some limitations as a quarterback, and I think offensively you can't do nearly as much as he can with Anthony Richardson. So I'm disappointed in that regard, um, but I do like uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss this week. Tomorrow night's game between the Broncos and the Chiefs is just another all-timer for a Thursday night. But uh, but from the fantasy perspective, Travis Kelsey is questionable in that game. So, Joe, what's your confidence level in him being able to start? And if he can't, uh, who stands to benefit? Yeah, I guess he had a crazy date with Taylor, right? That's right. the only reason why that happened. Uh, I would assume he plays. I actually think this is one of those get-right games for the Chiefs offense, which a lot of people have been – hemming and hawing over how they haven't looked really great. And I understand that, but they've had some difficult opponents and difficult situations. This shouldn't be one of them. But you mentioned the key factor of this. It's a Thursday night game, and weird things happen on Thursday night just about every week of the season. Uh, and not for the better, 
oftentimes for fantasy managers. I think Mahomes is going to be fine. Doesn't play, uh, and I, I'm assuming that offense will do just fine. And I assume Kelsey's going to play as well. I mean, this is effectively a long bye for them too, which is kind of important when you have a team like the Chiefs and has Super Bowl aspirations. You want to play things safe with your players. But if Kelsey gets through, then you have what ten days, eleven days. Uh, to have him get healthier and whatever else. So I, I think Kelsey will play. I'm not too concerned about him. I do think Mahomes and company generates enough offense for everyone to uh, do pretty well relative to what their fantasy value was entering the season. And so, Joe, we, we've talked about injuries, obviously, because that really affects uh, a lot of things, not only for that particular player, but the rest of the players. And I'm really curious with another injury uh, to do a deep dive on of Justin Jefferson, who, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, as high as it gets for a wide receiver at his own production, but also that affects uh, a quarterback and Kirk Cousins that, uh, you know, maybe he's not a great QB1 option, but certainly people carrying him on their roster. Uh, their running game's been non-existent. I mean, how bleak is that for that Vikings offense? Yeah, it's bleak to the point where I'm surprised that we're doing this call today and we haven't heard about Kirk Cousins being traded yet. Like, I, I, I really am shocked. Like, if this is just a business decision, the Vikings should have probably sent uh, uh, Kirk Cousins before that loss the Chiefs signed. With the defense not looking very great, their early season schedule and now Justin Jefferson missing at minimum four games. And by the way, probably longer. I mean, if you look at his comments afterwards, he was not happy that he did not get a contract extension and basically said, I have no reason to go out there and, and, and hurt myself further uh, and limit my possible. This is the risk you guys took by not extend, extending me, and now you're going to reap what you sow. That was reading between the lines for Jefferson's quotes uh, yesterday when they placed him in your reserve. But it, it, would, it would make me very hesitant and nervous of uh, the Vikings organization to say, I'm going to have him back within four games. So I would have assumed Kirk Cousins is traded. There's too many teams that need quarterbacks that have playoff aspirations that, uh, again, if this is just a business thing, they would have already made that move. But it sounds like Cousins, and you look at that Netflix special, you know, he likes being in Minnesota. This is where his family is. Uh, doesn't really want to move anybody. Could retire at the end of this season. I don't, I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm shocked. As long as Cousins is the quarterback for the Vikings, though, that offense from a passing perspective, it's going to be fine enough. I've been trying to acquire Jordan Addison everywhere. Uh, I will be trading premium players or picks, whatever else, to make Jordan Addison a starter on my team this season. I picked up Brandon Powell already in a few leagues and probably will in a few more uh, by the end of waiver wear priority. I think TJ Hawkinson as well is, is certainly valuable too. So I'm assuming Vikings defense continues to stink. Running game, like you mentioned, doesn't do all that well. And as a result, they're going to have to pass because they're trailing a lot. And there's just enough volume where Addison and I think uh, Powell are the two top ones. Everyone's going after KJ Osborne, so that's why I'm not mentioning him. I think KJ Osborne's the worst of that, uh, the worst player out of that trio too, and doesn't really see a playing time boost or opportunity boost with Jefferson out. So that's why he's being ignored uh, when we're discussing that injury. Looking at the Atlanta Falcons, Joe, um, the defense is something that seems to be really the the you know, the the star point of, of this team at this point right now. The offense slowly coming along. Obviously, the run game is something that is heavily involved. Uh, but the Falcons invested a lot of money in this defense. Do you think that they're starting to become worthy as a fantasy play in, in defense and special teams, or it's just something that should still be left off? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I know what audience I'm speaking to, so I say this with a heavy heart. <laughs> I think it's more so the teams they've played which have been very lackluster and right. includes my Packers uh, in that equation as opposed to oh man you know the Falcons are some fantasy relevant team 
I love Jesse Bates. I've loved him a lot when he was at the Bengals, too. And I thought, that's a leader and a difference maker that changes cultures. Like, everyone talks about that, and it's almost coach speak at this point. But Jesse Bates is one of those guys that I really felt like was a culture changer and setter. So I'm not surprised the Falcons' defense has been successful. You look at their game plan as well, too, which is to sit on the ball, don't let Desmond Ritter do something dumb, uh, and hope the other team makes a mistake. I mean, that's Arthur Smith's M.O. getting back to the Titans. Fine, you know, that's how a defense can be successful when you have talent as well, too. But it's not to the point where I want to go ahead and pick them up in fantasy. And I think if cause I, I, if I'm remembering the Falcons' schedule, it's basically this way the whole year. that They kind of got cupcakes the entire time. It feels like it's going to be the Giants or Vikings of last season where you're like, oh, wow, they made the playoffs. They must be good. No, they're not. It's just that the talent they played uh, instead of them is, is just significantly worse. So, no, I'm not picking the Falcons' defense, but I'm not surprised by what's happened thus far. Talking to Joe Barnell of Roto-Wire here on the Wednesday edition of the program. Joe, a couple more uh, for you. Last week we saw, and, and again, this has uh, got to be tempered a little bit, we did see a resurgence of the Bengals' offense, albeit against uh, Arizona. We saw an ungodly performance from Jamar Chase. It, it's my week-to-week question uh, with you. It, now where are we at on the Joe Burrow temperature menu, uh, meter? I mean, this is a very interesting offensive game between the Seahawks and, and Bengals and Burrow versus Geno Smith and that sort of thing. I, and also, I guess my, my two-part question is how confident are you in Burrow now, but also is any of that love going to get spread back away from Jamar Chase? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you look at the spread, the Bengals are favored by four against a better team, I think, in the Seahawks. And last week, it was essentially a pick because they were in Arizona as a three-point favorite for the Bengals. You know, neutral field, you say, it's a touchdown difference. I think the Cardinals-Seahawks talent is significantly different between the two. So to say that somehow the Bengals look better uh, one week and now are four-point favorites of the Seahawks is, is really bizarre to me. But I've been one that's been saying temporary expectations. And, and don't worry about Joe Burrow. He's going to be fine eventually. And they're going to figure things out because they did the same exact cadence last year where Zach Taylor – didn't know what to do offensively for a month and a half. And you're like, oh, no, what's happening? So I'm not surprised at all by this outcome. And I, I do think uh, Joe Burrow is going to be fine, and I think Jamar Chase is going to be fine, especially if T. Higgins misses another game with those cracked ribs, which certainly seems like it's on the docket. So, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable enough in the Bengals' offense. I'm not assuming they are going to be top three or four overall in the league, like maybe some had the expectation entering the season. But I am by no means fading them, and I haven't been for most of the season. And then, Joe, with the Los Angeles Chargers, they're up next against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what do you think about Justin Herbert against the Cowboys defense after a really rough showing from Dallas last weekend? Yeah, I assume the Cowboys defense will look better. Uh, you, could, you could say that that was on part on the Cowboys defense, but I just think Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan and the way – the 49ers are operating right now is just another level, and that would have happened against the 85 Bears. You know, it, that's not really an indictment to me on the Cowboys' defense. However, uh, Trayvon Diggs obviously out for the season with that ACL tear in practice. I think they lost two corners uh, or safeties, I guess you should say. Bland being one of the bigger ones, too, towards the end of that game. What their status will be for Monday really matters to me because I, I don't think Austin Eckler and that running attack is going to be really all that effective. So they will have to pass. And this is going to be a big test for Quentin Johnson, the first-round rookie this year. They've had the bye week, theoretically, to assimilate him more, figure out how he can be the Mike Williams for the Chargers offense now that Mike Williams is out. Uh, and if Quentin Johnston can't, then the Chargers will lose. And they're going to lose a lot of games if they can't find a way to make Quentin Johnston viable. 
uh, and a factor in that offense and a threat that defense has to worry about. So I, I'm really curious to see from Los Angeles' perspective how they used this bye week. Uh, and I feel like they have the pieces like Justin Herbert clearly is clearly the top five quarterback in the league in my mind, but they need to make it all work from a coaching staff perspective, from a scheming perspective, and players doing what they should be able to do in the case of Josh Palmer, Quentin Johnston. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on the program. Joe, tell our listeners again uh, your busy schedule there at RotoWire and what our listeners can go find at RotoWire. Yeah, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I do the Tuesday RotoWire podcast, talking about all the waiver wire pickups that you need to make. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, just type in RotoWire Fantasy Football, and you'll find us on Tuesdays. So there's Amari DiMarcado that we mentioned quite a bit. I don't mind Tony Jones either, who kind of gets buried in that Cardinals backfield that got him picked up. He looked okay for the Saints, too, so if you need some deeper league recommendations, we've got you covered there in the podcast. Uh, every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, Channel 87, Series XM Radio. Uh, go over all the waiver wire pickups, all the injury reports from Fridays, everything like that. And then, you know, I post on my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports, the big betting sheet. I take every over under, every spread. Uh, not quite over 500 yet in both categories, but we're trying our best. Uh, and if nothing else, I, you can uh, enjoy my ramblings about the Giants and everything else, too. So, yeah, a lot, lot of ways to talk to me and get my stuff. As always, Joe, we appreciate the time today and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me on. That is Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. We're going to head to our next timeout. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Appreciate T.P. Hammock for running the board, taking your phone calls. Appreciate Joe Bartle of RotoWire for stopping by and joining us with a little fantasy football conversation there. Uh, I hope that you feel... Two percent better about your fantasy situation? No, because no. pretty much everything. He's well, like mainly like talking about uh, Devin Achain. I mean, yeah, I, I picked him up. Was doing great. He got me some points, and now he's out for however long. Yeah, so. I am happy that he said that I should play Jonathan Taylor. <clears> so <throat> I'm doing that. Okay, there you go. Meanwhile, sad studio as we're watching this debacle unfold up here with the Braves and the Phillies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, six one, they got runners on first and third, and the Braves have now switched to their third pitcher. Of the game, yeah, and they've uh, gone to a, not, a different hand, not yeah. looking good. <laughs> but yeah, this one got out of hand quick. Braves go up one to nothing, and are like, here we go. And then Elder comes out and yeah, gives up a homer to Castellanos, and then another hit, and then Bryce Harper hits one to New Jersey, and then 
take him out, and then you get a two-run double, and it just it got away from the Braves quick. As a uh, ornery Bill Belichick would always say, we're on to the next one. Uh, have so, to. so uh, yeah, Braves will be back backs up against the wall after this defeat uh, tomorrow. They'll have to try to stave off they elimination. Are, they are just in the fourth. Any, stuff can happen, but they're not going to win this game. I don't think so either. I will I, they, come on this show and say I, Ryan Lavoy, am a am a dum dum if, uh, well, if the Braves come back and win. One of, like one of the things that we mentioned off the air is the Braves' offense looks like you said that your exact quote was they look like a shell of themselves, and yeah. We have not seen the Braves' bats look like the regular season Braves at all. Yeah, you saw a glimmer of it uh, in that last game with uh, you know with uh, Darno hitting a home run and then uh, uh, Riley hitting the the big time home run to give them the lead. But I mean, overall through that lineup, they they really do like a shell. They they just they, yeah. I don't they, I don't have any confidence in this team right now when they come to the plate to hit. No, I mean, if they lose this series, they really feel like they lost in game one by not scoring on Ranger Suarez in the the bullpen. Because, again, that's the other thing, and this is why some people still absolutely subscribe to the opinion. And, again, I'm I'm still TBD. I'm still on the fence in baseball. I'm on the offensive fence in basketball and football. But still pitching in defense, people tell you, and you knew that Zach Wheeler and and Aaron Nola are really good pitchers and right. were going to be more difficult to hit off of. And, and fortunately, they got just enough of Wheeler to set them up to be in range in the eighth inning there when they took the lead in game two. But they did not hit a, a weaker Ranger Suarez in a bullpen in game one at all at home. And when you're the favorite team and that's how you come out in the postseason, you're going to yeah. be up against it. Uh, anyway, uh, before we start to run out of time here, I do want to get another quick thought in on Auburn LSU. Obviously, we rotate co-hosts throughout the week, and so Tom is always Monday through Wednesday. So Tom oh. uh, says goodbye in, in just a little while for the week. So final Auburn LSU thoughts from you, Tom. I mean, just what, what do you need to see? Is, are there any statistics offensively that you need to see? Any a point total? Just, just what – what do you need out of the Auburn LSU game? All right, statistic-wise, the big statistic, and we've talked about it. Auburn has to be over 100 yards passing. This is a this is a very bad LSU defense and a very bad secondary. If you can't pass for over 100 yards against this team, then I don't know what in the world you're doing with your passing game right now. You have to be over 100 yards, absolutely. Um, and to me, on the offensive side, that's one of the biggest things. Is I as I I want to see that the passing game has to click at least a little bit against the bad defense. Um, I obviously, uh, if you can move the ball, which we think that Auburn is going to have the ability to move the ball, especially on the ground and potentially through the air, if they can figure that out. Don't have to settle for three. Don't don't get into the red zone or get down there to where you're doing a drive and. Um, again, I feel like we're beating dead horse, but sure. don't have don't have the the loss of down the big loss of down play on second down or the offensive line catches a holding penalty uh, that backs you up behind the sticks and, and this is offensive line that has been heavily penalized. Got to cut that out. So none of, none of those devastating holding penalties. You don't want to be settling for three down there because you have to think that Jaden Daniels in that offense, even though Auburn's defense has been playing great. They're going to get theirs. Jane Daniels is going to make some plays. You've got to limit how many of those plays he makes. You, you don't want him just completely decimating your defense. 
So you got to figure that out. But he's still going to get his. He's just that dynamic. But you're not going to be able to beat LSU settling for three. You've got to get the seven. When you put a drive together, you have to cap that off with a touchdown, not a field goal. And hopefully the, the biggest thing is stay with them. Don't, don't let them get that 14-point lead and start kind of putting that pressure on you and where they start stretching that out. I mean, you've got to be staying you know, shot for shot with them and and be that way with it uh ultimately though i i i just don't have the confidence in this auburn team right now to go into death valley uh at night and come away with a win um i i think lsu wins it i i i hate to say it i i kind of think it might be ugly um okay i i really do so you think lsu will cover the 11 i think they'll cover the 11 um like i said i'm just i'm I'm not confident enough in our offense right now that I think that they can run with that. And, you know, the defense is going to probably hold their own early in the game, and then they're just going to gradually wear out. And once they start wearing out, then that's where Jaden Daniels and, and a couple of other guys are going to take hold and and start kind of stretching that lead out. And then, <clears throat> as usually happens, nighttime in Baton Rouge, you give those guys a little bit of momentum and that crowd gets into it and the band starts playing neck and they just get going and it, it gets away from you. We've seen it time and time again happen with not just Auburn, but a lot of teams that go into Baton Rouge at night. It's what happens. Um, Auburn's just not a very good team. I mean, LSU's not that great, but I mean, they're still better than Auburn. I mean, they've got more talent than Auburn on, on that team right now. And I think that talent gap shows itself later in that game. And I think LSU pulls away and I think they cover the 11 spread. I, I think they'll win by, you know, 14, somewhere between 14 and 20. It'll be a win like that. Well, and you know, too, it's also a matter of just where you're playing this game and sure. stadiums that are worth points. Like Jordan-Hare Stadium <clears throat> is worth points to Auburn. Absolutely. And then also it is – so it's twofold. It's You no longer have the positive points of being able to be at your home crowd, but then you go to a legitimately tough road crowd. And yeah. so it's like you lose the points you would have gained by being at home, and then you've got to go play someone that's gonna that their environment's worth points sure. to them, you know. And it, it is such because it is such a, a such a unique situation in my mind because while those those elements are still true of playing a road top twenty five team, playing them in that great environment, the defense is so bad to where there is a level of expectation that I still feel like this Auburn offense should be able to reach right. off of a bye week and off of a better performance against Georgia, not a complete performance by any means, but something that was keeping you alive in the game. And so it it becomes to where I start to – and I, I know our focus is offensively, and, and still that's where many of the questions are, but it also gets into what kind of point total does LSU actually end up at? Like how right. many times does Auburn – force LSU into a mistake or force them into a field goal rather than a touchdown because that would be the difference in covering and not covering sure. and, and and having a, a game go to the very very last moment or a game that's kind of over early fourth quarter is if LSU has five red zone trips, they could come out with 35 points or they could come out with two touchdowns and three field goals, and that's 23 points. That's almost two full possessions right. worth of just holding them the field goals. That's the kind of thing that Auburn did to Burroughs' team 
in 19 in LSU, whereas sure. you say, well, this LSU team's not Burrow, and I agree, <laughs> but also this Auburn defense is not that Auburn defense. Right. So it is scaled down, but it is still, I think, the similar concept of you're looking at one of the top two or three offenses in the SEC. You're on, you're on their home field. They're going to score wherever they play, whoever they play. What do they score? Do they score a field goal? Do they score a touchdown? Right. Do they have something? Do, do you just make them – make their own mistakes like Florida State did. Like Florida State, first and goal stops them. Second goal stops them. Third and goal dumb play call. You know, and then right. and then all of a sudden they go for fourth goal score. You know, and so they drove the ball 70 yards. Right. And they didn't get the last yard or two that counted. It's that type of thing. That's the cracks in the armor that you're going to be searching for if you're Auburn. Because obviously yeah. this LSU team's not flowing seamlessly. Yeah. There's still some things that they have not done well because Again, they they are disappointed to be right. four and two. Like they, no scenario did we really have them at four and two at this point. Some would have even said six and zero. Oh. Right, if they'd beaten the four, beaten four to state. But not only did they do that, they just gave up a million points to Ole Miss. Yeah, no, and I I agree. But I but I I I just I I can't see Auburn putting that type of even remotely that type of point total up against them. Um, I. Peyton Thorne has not shown me anything that makes me think that he can go into Baton Rouge and even against a bad secondary. If Peyton Thorne has shown me like any time throughout the season that he could be a very competent passer and read defenses and make the right decisions and do that consistently enough, then I would think, sure, you know, I don't see any reason why he can't go in there and, and just pick apart that secondary. He hasn't shown me that at all. And then we talk about the home field advantage. A lot of times that home field advantage ends up favoring the defense more because that's where that's where that noise level gets yeah. up, that, that crowd can force you into bad situations. We just saw Alabama, uh, even though, you know, they've been having their issues, but, I mean, goodness gracious, they couldn't even get the snap off in, in College Station because of the noise and trying to do silent counts and things like that, and they had multiple false start penalties. That's the types of things that will happen on offense is that crowd will get you out of sorts, and then you start getting a mistake, you have a loss, crowd gets loud, you have another mistake, and then you have another loss, and it just piles on top of you. And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen to Auburn because, again, I have not seen this offense be able to handle that. And so uh, I, I just I have a bad feeling about it. I just think that's what's going to end up happening with it. I, I think that I think they'll be able to kind of hang with them for a little bit, but it's just going to kind of be pile on. I don't think LSU's are going to come out and just mollywop Auburn from, from the get-go and have the game put out of reach before you even sit down in your seat. But I think it's going to kind of gradually keep stretching out and stretching out and – you know, kind of a snowball type thing. It's going to keep rolling downhill. LSU's going to end up pulling away from them. I found myself this year getting a little bit maybe too enamored with the starts of games and how teams just look first possession or two. I mean, I think setting the tone's important, but certainly it's a 60 minute game for a reason. Yeah. Well, uh, Kentucky, Georgia. Right. Well, talk about yeah. setting the tone. I mean, Kentucky, yeah. Kentucky was the first two possessions. Kentucky might as well go and got back on the bus. Yes. They, were, they were done. Yes. Uh, let's, let's just say I did not even make that to halftime uh, on that one. Uh, I was flipping through some other ones, but you know, with here, I think that the danger I, – I, I don't even think it's more of a danger. I think it's more of an opportunity because I get the feeling when you have a team that's underachieving, and, again, I, I think that 
You give all the flowers, all the credit to LSU's home crowd for being awesome. But just like any other great home crowd, look, they're a team that is underachieving so far this year. Like they very easily can finish around eight and four. Yeah. Okay. And that's already in their minds. They've already lost twice. You start early on them, they're going to start to get the oh no, here we go again type of thing, feeling where they're not, they're going to be a little grumpy. And it might, right. it may not even be, you know, it may feel a little bit more. Just not calm. It's never calm, but just a little tempered there, like a, like a little bit more of a nervous energy than a productive swallowing en- energy. That would be the opportunity, I think, that would exist if Auburn were to start early. Obviously, too, if they start poorly, if it's not an even start, if they start poorly, then you start to look at, okay, now the offense starts to get nervous about running a lot, and then do they panic and, and, and throw too much, and then you just start to worry about – the play calling situation there and how teams typically do final minute or two of the program today time for a nightly tv guide our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide sports calls nightly tv guide presented by white claw hard seltzer Tonight, we've got several of sports picks for you, starting off 6 o'clock on FS1. It's the Houston Astros and Minnesota Twins. The Astros can advance to the ALCS to take on the Texas Rangers if they're able to win tonight. That one's starting again momentarily on FS1. 6.30 on ESPN2, more Conference USA football. Again, they are playing a lot of midweek games this year. Texas El Paso travels to Florida International. Those two teams have been in the league for a little while. Also got hockey on tonight, 6.30, NHL night two of the season as you've got the Chicago Blackhawks and the Boston Bruins. Had a triple header last night. That was a lot of fun to watch. And then you've also got uh, a couple, uh, one more baseball game tonight on TBS after the conclusion of Braves-Phillies. You have game three between the Arizona Diamondbacks and Los Angeles Dodgers starting just after 8 o'clock Again, on TBS and your couple of movie picks for the night. 645 on FXM. It's Logan starring Hugh Jackman. Great I, heard, movie. I heard that one's a little rougher than the uh, yeah. okay, than some That's of the other, one, other I ones. I like Logan. Uh, and then 7 o'clock on HBO, it's The Bourne Ultimatum. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will about do it for the show today again tom i uh, hope that you have a uh, great rest of your week sir yeah, man. i will go ahead and tell you i will not be here on monday again as i come back from another bucks game I think you get to watch the creamsicles this week uh, creamsicles i don't own any creamsicle though so i will stand out like a sore red thumb but uh, <laughs> i'll still have another box jersey on of some kind but nice but i'll be about the only one that, that you're anti creamsicle though yeah yeah I think the look's fine, but it represents losing. And yeah, Anyway, my that. whole spiel. But uh, p- appreciate you being here. We'll see you again next week. Yes, sir. Enjoyed it. Canberry, thank you for being here today. We'll Absolutely. see you again on Friday. See you on Friday. And uh, as always, we want to thank all those that tuned in and called in today and thank Joe Bartle of RotoWire. For TP Hammock running the board and for Canberry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Have a great Wednesday night. Stay tuned. The High School Coaches Show is next, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.